by the way, that's probably my favorite Shredder. Uh, I, I love his outfit in there, and I love those red eyes. Man, you know what? He's got an enviable physique, man. I wish I had an <laughs> like that. Man. I mean, I know. Look, look at those pecs. That dude's got some abs of steel, you know? Yeah, true. They literally look like they're made of steel, like they're blue. Yeah. Michelangelo here, you know, the master of the whirling pizzas. And you, my friend, are listening to Turtle Flakes, a bodacious bowl of Ninja Turtles goodness, brought to you by my radical dudes, Rob and Jock. Cowabunga! Cowabunga, dudes and dudettes, Rob here. And joining with me, as always, is my main man, my partner in Ninja Turtle Crime, Mr. Josh O'Rourke. Hey, Calabunga, everyone. Yeah, did I say that? I didn't say the title of the show, did I? Not really. Well, they should know what it is. I mean, if they downloaded it. <laughs> you, you would know. think so. I know. I yeah. know. Welcome to another episode of the Genesis Gems. Genesis yeah, so Gems, by the Retro Junkie Super Show. Uh, you, you could be Landon. Yeah, I, I could be Landon. You are taller than me. I need to grow like another foot and a half tall. That dude's tall, <laughs> oh, man. That dude's like being friends with the Undertaker. True, you know? true. It had a lot of be- that had a lot of benefits back in high school, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're just walking around like the chicken hawk from uh, Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he's, Landon's just like Foghorn Leghorn to your chicken hawk. There it is. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. guys, uh, today we are we are back to the 2003 era of the Turtles. And, you know, roughly that's about, you know, give or take a few years because we're actually going to be covering first is the 2007 toys, which I'm very excited about because mm-hmm. I didn't have a single one of these except for one little thing I'm going to mention later. But apparently you've got a whole bunch of them, Josh. That that's awesome. I've got a few. Yeah, I've I've uh, um, got the turtles, and I'll talk about them. I don't have too many of them. I've got a few of the villains, but that's really about it. And I really bought the villains just because they just look so darn cool. Yeah, so yeah, I know. I didn't, so sweet. Yeah, well, I can't wait to talk about those. And then for our comic review, we are on. Um, I think it's issue six of the volume four, which is, uh, of course, I love volume four. That came out in um, the early 2000s, right around 2002, I think this issue was. I hope it's issue six. That's the one I read. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Josh and I have done that a few times. We're like right on the top of the show. Like, okay, we're covering this issue. And Josh is like, that's not the one I read. (laughs) No, we're not. That's not what you told me. (laughs) Which is a strong possibility. And then after that, we are watching... uh, I think it's episode seven of season one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2003 Fox Box cartoon. It's called The Way of Invisibility. I'm definitely excited about that because that when that series came out was when my interest in Turtles kind of in Turtles kind of uh, waned a little bit, and I wasn't watching it. So oh, awesome. I'm very much uh, new to the 2003 version. So even though I have all the DVDs, <laughs> I just I just have not sat down and watched all of them. No, so. wow, you have all the 2003 DVDs? Yeah, I, have, I at least have the majority of them. Oh, yeah, you got, lucky dog. Yeah, 
Um, that was my uh, tax return uh, <laughs> paycheck last year. That's what I. That's what I used for that. That's so, a good investment, man. That that's good stuff. Yeah, it was an investment. Yeah, and it, it took me a long time to get permission to get those. So <laughs> yeah, I know. And Nickelodeon. I mean, they've still not released. At least that I know of. Have they released anything with the 2003 cartoon yet? They've released a few. Of, they've repackaged the collections, uh, okay. like the like five or six collections of uh, the DVDs from the Fox series. They're not going to put out a box set like everyone kind of hopes oh, they do. I wish they would. It'd be so much easier. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, like you could. I mean, there's there's like what six or seven years of that 2003 series. You could you could make a killing off of that box set, especially if they did it like with the original cartoon collection where they had the turtle van. And then yes. you had all the DVDs inside. Now you've got this big armored up hunter, uh, yeah. turtle band with all the DVDs inside. You know, just that's all you got to do. That's oh, that'd be so cool. Oh, I'd love yep. that. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So we're back to the 2003 era, and it's been quite some time. I, I want to say it's been about six months since we've talked about uh, some 2003 era stuff. So I think this was the episode. It was either this one or one of the classic era ones where, unfortunately, your internet was acting up and and uh, you had to drop out. Oh yeah, with you, me, and uh, Josh Witt. Yeah, Jay Weezy. Yeah. yeah, one of the rare yeah, Jay Weezy a, appearances. That was an episode of the uh, of the '88 series, I think. Oh, okay, that's probably and, yeah. Okay, never mind then. Yeah, and it was uh, yeah. I just I had terrible internet connection that day, and I had to drop out of the episode. Yeah, so. I remember that. Yeah, Josh Witt was so happy. <laughs> I mean, no, no, I, no, it was me. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, you know, I'm surprised. I, I haven't had any internet issues t- uh, today because um, um, I have cable-based internet, and uh, of course, I work for a cable company. And sometimes snow can really affect cable lines. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, we've got about uh, yeah, two inches of snow in Knoxville. Which for Knoxville, I know this is nothing compared to what you guys get, Josh. But for Knoxville, yeah. it, the whole town shuts uh, uh, shuts down for this. <laughs> <laughs> and that'd be we've got like a foot and a half of snow and now like all the snow's done but now we're dealing with cold like january is like the coldest month of the year oh like this like this week it with the wind chill it was going in between negative 20 and negative 30 all week oh my goodness and it is right now it is a balmy negative 12 outside oh my gosh how do you stand so, it i mean how do you not go outside and just be like oh every one of my bones ache oh god i just want to die yeah no <laughs> I was outside this morning and not smoking, and I was just sure. wondering to myself, it's like, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I'll tell you what. Do you, do, you, are, do you just get used to it? or I mean, because no, I, I don't think I've ever experienced that cold. cold. It is always just bone-numbing cold. How do your vehicles it, stay, you know, how does your battery stay alive? A lot of people get block heaters for their cars, so, oh. like, you just kind of plug it in and it'll warm up the engine before you start it. I just rely on dumb luck. You know, just, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't really had a problem. I mean, of course, uh, me and Nicole both have new vehicles, so she's got a new uh, van and I have a new Jeep. Nice. So we don't really have to worry about it yet right now. What we have to worry about is our tire pressure because, like, tires nowadays aren't filled with air. They're filled with nitrogen. And when it gets cold, it decompresses. And as they as they warm up, they expand. Yeah. So we're constantly having to deal with, like, square tires. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. But it hasn't been too much of a problem yet anyway. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, here in Knoxville, um, just everyone just stays off the roads. I mean, everyone, you know, unless you have to work, uh, you just stay off the roads. And uh, 
my my little boy, he's a little over a year old now, and I, I was going to take him out and play in the snow here in a little bit. So we're we're excited about it. This will be the the first time he actually gets to notice the snow and play in it because yeah. uh, he was very very little when it snowed last. Yeah, it's so funny watching babies see snow for the first time. You yeah, <laughs> no idea what to do. It's like, what is this stuff all over me? They're just beside themselves. It's just like, oh my god, it kind of burns, but it's fun. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I'll fall on it. Yeah, exactly. And cry. With it's the only time I can actually push my son down and uh, you know not feel guilty about it. Oh, I push mine down all the time. Just hey, <laughs> get out of the way, kid. Absolutely, yeah. If you're not working, you're of no use. So. <laughs> uh-huh. That's how you pay your dues. I love my kids. Don't worry. Come on. I know I sound like just like the worst dad sometimes. Where it's just... Yeah, speaking of which, I, I was just uh, – that reminds me. I was just editing the last episode of Turtle Flakes. And uh-huh. like, yeah, I was, I was playing tag with my son, and I accidentally knocked him off a hill. <laughs> Oh God! Not yeah, and I remember that. Yeah, I knocked him uh, off the hill, and poor Vincent. Just because <laughs> my one of my sons, Vincent, is just like the most dramatic person I have ever met in my life. And there was one time uh, I was pushing Vincent on a swing, and the swing broke. Oh no! He fell, and he was on a, the upward part of the swing, of course, and he fell and landed straight on his butt on the ground. Oh no! <laughs> and he jumps down, and he's crying. And or he jumps up and he's crying. I broke my back. I broke. Oh, he jumped up. (laughs) And I said, Vincent, you didn't break your back. You want to know how I know? He says, how? I said, you're walking around. (laughs) If you broke your back, you don't walk. And of course, it had to happen when my parents were visiting. So my dad's looking at me like, I just Uh, really you trust this guy with five kids. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. I love it, man. Well, um. Well, anyways, uh, so as we're recording this, it is January 7th of 2017, um, but you guys will probably get it January 14th, I guess, so next week. But as we're recording this, um, thanks to our good buddy uh, Brian for giving us a lot of the Ninja Turtle history we're going to be discussing for the next, oh, I'd say about 15 episodes. Yeah. Um, he, he found a date for us. This is January 8th, back in 1992. It says, the classic cartoon human characters Bern Thompson, Vernon Fedwick, and Irma, which I don't, I guess she didn't have a, I wonder if she had a last name. Irma made her debut as figures as part of the Playmates Toon Turtles line. So that was back in 1992, so that's what, uh, it's 2017. Oh, man. Josh, you good at math? 25 years ago? Man. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, about 25 years? Yeah, wow. It's... Wow. Toon Turtles. I actually remember those those Toon Turtles in, in um, the toy stores, do you? Oh, God, man. those. T- I, even when I was a kid, I thought those, tr- those toys looked horrible, you know? <laughs> See, I liked I liked them, but I always wanted you know serious looking turtles. You know, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I had no idea that the turtles were based on the Mirage comics, like those original four figures. And it looks yeah. back on them now, they look so much like the uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird drawings. You know, oh it's yeah, just, yeah. Or like they almost, especially later figures, they almost look like they don't fit with their own line of toys. Yeah, because actually, one of the ones you got me the. Um... The TMNT Donatello. Um, actually, let me let me look at him real quick. Oh, the the Jim Lee one. Yeah. Yes, that's it. The Jim Lee one. That was in the late '90s, but they still consider that the first era of the Turtles. Yeah, yeah, because that and even though that was based on like the the Image Comics run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. I think that came out in '98, '99. Ninety. If I remember correctly, that figure came out in '97. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, so because right around Next Mutation time. Yeah, and um, it was right around when Volume 3 was going on, and they had their crossover with Savage Dragon, 
And I remember that line specifically because not not only because they looked just dramatically different than any other turtles figure at the time, they looked decidedly cooler. Right. But there's no Leonardo figure. For whatever reason, they never made a Leonardo figure, even though one was created for like promotional purposes. They oh, no only kid. had Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo. So that will forever be an incomplete set of turtles I have in my collection. Wow. No kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it, they advertised them. In, they uh, displayed them at the 1996 uh, Toy Fair. Yeah. And I wow. think it's California. They had in California or New York has the Toy Fair, at least at the time. I had like the main Toy Fair. And I remember seeing advertisements in like Wizard Magazine or, and stuff like that. And they showed all four turtles, and Leonardo was never produced. I wonder why. I wonder if they just didn't sell enough. I don't know. Yeah, maybe like Savage Dragon because it was under technically it was part of the Savage Dragon toy line, even though it had the Ninja Turtles uh, logo from the cartoon. Yeah, but it maybe that line just wasn't popular enough. I don't know. Yeah, no telling. No telling. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, to kick off another little uh, thing that Brian has helped us with, uh, we're starting this little new segment. It's very, very minor. It's not anything, you know, major or anything like that. But I was thinking on top of the, the turtle history, right after that we could talk about something completely random, something completely possibly forgotten by a lot of fans, you know, just some random, obscure stuff. So yeah. today's uh, radical relic, as we're going to call it, is the 1990 TMNT cookie cutters. Have you ever <laughs> seen these, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, I've never seen those, but I can tell you right now what they look like. You know, just... Yeah, yeah. L- let me send you a picture. It is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Uh... Oh, my God. You know what? It's so funny because I saw online, on Amazon, I saw a Ninja Turtle uh, pie tin or a cake cake tin. Yeah. You can, like, pour the batter in and bake it, and you've got a uh, Ninja Turtle mold of a cake. <laughs> And I almost bought it just because it was like, that just is the most random, crazy thing I've ever seen. I've got it. I kind of want to get that. But thankfully, <laughs> I, I did not get that. Cooler heads prevailed. It's like, nope, not doing that. Nah, I can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, you know what? I ought to get you the sneaker snappers. <laughs> no. Oh, man. How cool would that be? You know, us, thir- you know, 30-some-year-old uh, adults walking around with our Donatello sneaker snappers. You know what? I, knowing me, I would wear them. I, I would, I too. I definitely would, yeah. You know what we get? We should get is the sneaker snappers with color coded LA gears. <laughs> you know, I could have purple and and who's your favorite turtle again? Raphael. Yeah. Raph. So you can have red. See, that actually works really good yeah. for you. Yeah, that works <laughs> out. Man. You know what? I keep waiting for a really good Ninja Turtle shoe. You know, I mean, like ah, uh, I know it. They're for like adults. Like you know, I'm, I keep waiting for like you know Converse to put out like a new uh, just a, a Ninja Turtle shoe with a Ninja Turtle print <laughs> on them. And, you know, like, Doc Martens made some Ninja Turtle boots uh, last year, and you can buy uh-huh. them on their website, but they are stupid expensive. <laughs> They're like $150 for a pair of boots. Now, are we talking about um, classic yeah. turtles? Or? Well, any just like a good Ninja Turtle. Well, yeah, yeah, I would kind of, I would like either the Mirage comics or the 88 cartoon, you know, just because that's where my heart really lies is those right. series, yeah. Now, would you actually wear those on the job? Oh yeah, definitely, man. Oh yeah, oh. I would have two pair. I would have one for work and one for home. So, <laughs> well, you know what? You should get some Ninja Turtle running shoes too. There you go. So when you go to the gym, you yeah. got that going for you too. You got some turtle power in the gym, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the only way to work out. Oh my god, you just sent me those pictures of the Ninja Turtle cookie cutters. Yeah, yeah. Aren't they? Aren't they? I've never seen these before. Have you? This is exactly what I saw in my head when you told me about them. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, I'm looking at the packaging right now. It's got uh, Michelangelo on the corner, but the weird thing is the packaging's all green. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all green. There's no colors other than green and black. These look like, you know, like third-party, not officially licensed products. Yeah, I mean, you look at the turtle sketches. They're all individual, um, but Brian was telling me. I don't know if he has these or if he had read an article about these or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he says they, they don't really work well at all because <laughs> they, they, um, they don't – first of all, they don't cut the cookies at all. You know, yeah. they're, they're not thick enough. So the, basically, you could press it on the cookie dough, and it's just going to make the pattern of the turtle. It's not going to actually cut it. So you'd have to cut around it and then just okay. – st- it's almost like a turtle stamp. But, yeah, I'm looking at some of these images here, and Leonardo looks really strange to me. He looks like um, Yoda. They all look weird. They're all messed up looking. Like this <laughs> This was this was obviously like one of those – well, just to prove that we can make money with the turtles logo on it, we're just going to throw this out there. Yeah. And sadly, I'd buy it. I, you know what? I'm going to search on eBay right now. I want to see if they have these. TMNT. I am not buying these at all. Sorry. <laughs> I've kind of, I've, I've kind of decided that like I'm limiting my collection to like uh, action figures and comics now, just because there's so much. It, Ninja Turtles merchandise is such a rabbit hole. You can just like oh. really blow a bunch of money into it. No kidding. And I just, I just don't want to. So. No, I, I can't blame you. No kidding. Well, I'm looking at uh, – uh, it's the picture I just showed you with the full package. I see the exact same thing on eBay for nine ninety nine, uh, and you can get the loose ones for 5 bucks. It's too much. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> little you're, on the you're expensive gonna side. You're going to spend $10 on cookie cutters that don't cut cookies. <laughs> really? They think they should call them cookie stamps. That's yeah, what they should call Rob, them. Rob you need, you, we need to talk. I <laughs> got a problem. I know. I mean, see, you're the one that's concerned about me spending too much money on stuff. This is what you're going to buy with yours? <laughs> <clears throat> My name's Rob, and I'm a turtle-holic. Yeah. <laughs> well, good deal. So that is, uh, you know, today's radical radical relic of the past. So that is the right. TMNT 1990 cookie cutters. I'll leave a sh- uh, link in the show notes for some of the eBay items if you want to check it out. It's kind of a cool little keepsake. But, yeah, um, but yeah I don't know, nine ninety nine. A hardcore turtle fan is going to want to get these, you know. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now, and it's just me saying that I don't want them, but I would love to have those. But you are not dropping the money for that. So, <laughs> well, sweet. So, um, it's kind of like welcome to the radical relics section. They can't all be winners. So they can't all be winners. Yeah, we're going to find some stinkers in the bunch. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of um, pickups and stuff, you said you know you wouldn't buy something like that. So, have you bought anything this past week or so? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I'm uh, saving up some money for some stuff that's coming out later in the year and uh, really just trying to, you know, we just had Christmas, so I'm just trying to yeah. <laughs> get that get that money back in the in the jar. So uh, actually, you know what? No, I completely lied, even though I uh, I didn't spend anything on him because uh, my uh, mother in law, she got me some Amazon gift cards for Christmas because she didn't know what to get me. So I used that to gift. buy some figures that I'm going to talk about later. So. Oh, awesome, awesome. Just to let you know, I got the 2007 Ninja Turtles Karai figure, the Shredder figure, and a Foot Soldier figure. Oh, no way. I love that Shredder figure. So Yeah, I know. God, I have such a tragic story about that, too. Oh, okay. God, I'm, I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you right now. These, uh, the three uh, villains for the 2007 movie figures, they had so many of the twist tie uh, retention ties in there to keep the figure in the box secure it had like like literally the shredder figure had about 10 twist ties in it holding it down 
And wow. I forgot to take one off, and I couldn't tell it was on there because it was on uh, a similarly colored part of the figure. And so I pulled the figure out, and Shredder's arm at the elbow snapped right off. Oh, no. So. <laughs> Can you glue it back on? I, I had to super glue it back on, yeah, because, like, the peg was still there on the arm. And so it was just the hole on the bottom, on the lower portion of the arm. So I could yeah. put it back on there, and as long as I didn't move it, it was fine. But as soon as I adjusted the figure, it would fall right off. Oh, so, man. unfortunately, I had to super glue it. But all I do is display my figures. It's not like I play with them or anything. So I just display them. So it's fine. It's on the shelf. It's cool. Here, I'll show you real quick. Yeah, you got your camera going. So I do. Here's the Nice. Shirt. Yeah, and one thing that's really cool, the uh, helmet comes right off. Oh, no way. Wow. Yeah. So the helmet comes off and his cape comes off. Uh, but, yeah, so Shredder's left arm doesn't move at all. Hey, it looks good, though. You would never know. Yeah, his right arm does not move at all. Not only did I glue half of it, but at the the uh, ball joint at the shoulder just does not want does not seem to want to move down at all. And I've got it lined up where it should. Huh. But just in case it that breaks too, I don't want to have to buy a new one of these. So it would look pretty funny to have like Shredder's arm taped on though, like with duct tape. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe you would think it's funny, but no. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. I'd be like, hey, uh, that happened in the trash compactor. Yeah, <laughs> his face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, actually, you could take his helmet off and put it on Splinter's shelf, like in the movie. Oh, yeah. All you got to do is get a little shelf, yeah. Yeah, like a little – that'd be funny because uh, you have like a little splitter toy and then get like a popsicle stick for a shelf. Yeah. <laughs> Put a little mini helmet up there. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, the only pickup I've gotten uh, this week is actually something I mentioned on the last episode. It's the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles magazine. And, oh, yeah. Um, it, was, it was about uh, 10 bucks on eBay, but, man, I really do think it's worth it because, first of all, the guy who sold it to me um, – really took good care of this magazine it's in very good shape yeah and i was just kind of perusing through it like i i don't have time to go through the whole thing today but one of these days i want to get a blog started and just kind of talk about some of this stuff the the magazines you know in a little bit more depth but just to kind of give you a heads up this one here is the summer of 1990 issue which is the first one yeah and it lasted all the way to the summer of 93 so there's quite a few uh magazine issues mm-hmm. but like as soon as you open up the cover uh, an advertisement for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cereal. You know, the Chex and Lucky Charms cereal. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it opens it up, and right away, I mean, you notice the vibrant colors. I mean, it's totally 80s and 90s, uh, early 90s stuff. Um, there's a, there's an article on hip-hop haircuts. <laughs> but here's here's something cool that we need to review one of these days. Um, is There's a short comic... Uh, written, uh, drawn in the style of the Archie comic, mm-hmm. drawn by um, Jim Lawson. Oh wow! And, yeah, and you don't see you see some Jim Lawson Archie stuff, but not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, but this looks great, and it's got uh, Ray Fillet in it, and um, uh, what was the, what was the lobster's name? I can't remember his name. Remember there was a mutated uh, lobster? No, I have no idea. No, I'm sorry, uh, I don't well, remember. Maybe his name's Lonnie, or yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, and that's Bill. We don't talk Bill. about. Bill. <laughs> He was kicked out of the mutant animals. Yeah, he, he was, was kind of a he jerk. Didn't make it in the Ninja Turtles B team. Come on. Yeah, right. He was too yeah. crabby. Uh, he was too shellfish. Uh, oh god. Uh, oh wow. Looks like we have a um, poster in here, but I don't want to tear it out because it looks awesome, and I just don't want to tear it out. <laughs> yeah, I had a couple of those posters when I was a kid. Yeah, those are those are really oh, neat. Yeah, it's not a turtles poster though. It's a Chester Cheetah poster. What about oh, that? Oh really? Yeah. 
Oh man, dig it! Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Then you got a karate section. Wow, another Chester Cheetah po- uh, poster. Wow, and Cheetos okay. like really went all in on this Ninja Turtle. Yeah, they they knew. And then here's something really cool. It, so this must have come out right before the film or right as it was out in theaters because yeah. you've got these detailed articles about the first film um, yeah. and some great pictures of the turtles with Jim Henson. Um, great, great shot of Shredder. Great shot of uh, April in her apartment, surrounded by the foot soldiers. Splinter, Raph carrying April down the subway. Um, little ca- kind of captions underneath each one. Um, and then, uh, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Right after that, you got uh, cruising with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is funny because it's all about skateboarding, and there's all these different captions with skateboards. Mm-hmm. But you've got Michelangelo drawn right beside these, you know, real kids yeah. skateboarding. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Oh, it's great! It's, it's like great. Really I love Photoshop it. Photoshop, right there. So, right, absolutely, I love it, man. Oh, there's one where you got Raphael getting chased by a dog that's held by a guy who's on a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get this awesome Casey Jones interview. Oh yeah, with my man Elias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did great. Um, this interview, I read it uh, real briefly this morning, and uh, it was really funny. It was, you know, he, and you could tell he really respected the character of Casey Jones and, you know, how much shape he tried to get into in preparations for the role. And, yeah. Still the uh, best Casey Jones. In my know. opinion, wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah. Totally as much agree. as I like, you know, Chris Evans and uh, Stephen Amell as Casey Jones, like, yeah. Elias Cotius is probably the best Casey. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I just, uh, he's who I see every time I see Casey Jones. Yeah. You, you and, can't help not see that. You know, you can't yeah, help not see yeah. And then the last thing is a definite dragon section. So they, they do like a little um, uh, reptile segment, which is really cool. So it's trying to be educational too. And then I love the back of the book. Speaking of cookies, we've got a whole section dedicated to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cookies. And I actually remember these cookie boxes. Oh, yeah. Those are kind of like Teddy Grahams with Ninja Turtles, right? Yeah, yeah, they're like little animal crackers or teddy yeah. grams. I remember you, those were amazing when I was a kid because, like, I remember they came in, like, a variety of flavors, and I always used to get the peanut butter ones. <laughs> those are my favorite. That's probably why I love peanut butter as much as I do is because of the the darn Ninja Turtles. No <laughs> kidding. I know it. Yeah, and those were so good. Now, yeah. do you remember the uh, plastic jars, the, like the plastic cookie box jars? Uh, no, no, I don't. Oh man, I'll show you a picture of them later. But okay. I do remember these jars. I remember real early in my childhood. I was over a, um, I can't remember. It was a relative's house, and I was enamored with the cookie jar because it was a, it was this plastic container, and I guess originally it had a whole bunch of turtle cookies in it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I want to say it was of uh, Donatello. Uh, and I wanted it so bad, but I didn't have the guts to ask if I could have it. Yeah. <laughs> but I've, I, my aunt probably would have let me. But, man, I've, I do remember that. I've not seen it s- until, you know, this this morning when I looked at this magazine. Oh, wow. So, takes, so was, that like, was that like a mail-in rebate thing, or did you buy it at the store? Or could you buy it at the store? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you, it w- you could buy it at the store because, you know, it had to have been common enough to where my aunt, who was obvious, you know, she wasn't a Ninja Turtles fan. She yeah, she wasn't going to mail in proof of purchases for that thing, was she? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, um, you know, it, this was definitely worth it. It's it's such a great step back in time, you know, when I was a kid. All the stuff I'm seeing, all these advertisements. Like, okay, there's an advertisement for the Jetsons movie in this. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this is pretty old. Um but yeah, just just great stuff, and I will definitely I'll collect all these because there's not that many. They're not that expensive on on eBay. It's worth it to me. So and yeah, also, definitely. oh yeah, you you should get it too, man. 
But I was going to say there's a great, great forum about all these um, magazine issues. And there's even some scans of some of the, the articles and advertisements in it. It's on the Technodrome forum. So just search up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle magazine. And you'll find a whole bunch of hits on it. Um, I was perusing through one of them a week ago just to find out how many there were, how often they were released, and I got a lot of great information. So That's cool. So, yeah. yeah, so go check that out. One thing I forgot to do on the last episode was read some feedback on uh, Hoser Josh's sewer playset, uh, <laughs> which I'm so jealous for. But uh, let me go ahead and read those real quick, and then we'll we, – we, we got something Josh and I really need to talk about on the show. So, oh man! All yes. Right. So, so let me read these real quick. This is regarding the 1989 TMNT sewer playset, and we got a lot of great responses. See, Gay Van Gilder said, uh, "Oh, never mind, the wrong person." Christopher Carlson he actually posted pictures, and it was cool because not only did he post uh, pictures of the sewer playset, it looks like from one of the angles of the picture that his sewer playset with the sewer pipe is connected to the Technodrome, which is right beside it. Oh wow, like, that is cool. <laughs> That's one way Shredder can get the turtles. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So Christopher Carlson says, So my only childhood mem- memory, other than seeing this pic in the toy catalogs of the sewer playset, is seeing uh, on a shelf in a local toy store called Lek, uh, Lekach Hobby. That's, that's still around. And in English, that would be called Play and Hobby. Oh, well, see, I'm learning some. Oh, okay. When I asked my parents if I could get a G2 Megatron, the eggplant camo tank, he must be a Transformers fan. Speaking of which, the new one kind of looks good, but uh, anyways, I'll move on. Um, let's see, and it says, um, and they said that I would just transform it over and over again until it would break, and that, <laughs> and that was a sound <laughs> argument, So that, and that's why I did not have many Transformers when I grew up. But years later, as a teen, anyway, I had tons of fun cleaning up and putting it together without instructions, mind you, and then having it as my centerpiece of my classic collection. Still, the first thing you see coming into my TV room, and thinking it over, it may well be my favorite of all the TMNT playsets I have gotten my hands on. Which, if I had it, that would probably be my favorite too. Yeah, yeah, it's I, it's it's up there for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's like, it's got a dollhouse feel of a real living space, and not just a cool fight zone. And also Super Mario pipes, which, that's <laughs> you know, that's definitely true. It is, yeah. I never, wow, I never noticed that. So every time I look at the sewer now, I'll go, do 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 yeah uh and then um and don't get too jelly over uh that technodrome wow he spelled it the swedish way which is t-e-k-n-o well i didn't know that okay oh technodromen that's how you spell t-e-k-n-o-d-r-o-m-e-n so how would you say that hosehead that sounds that sounds more sinister than technodrome yeah the technodromen (laughs) that sounds like something that's about to fight godzilla technodromen look it's technodromen uh, so he says, you know, uh, don't get too jelly over the Technodrome, uh, too. It's missing tons of stuff. Luckily, that stuff goes on the inside. Rock yeah. on, turtle dudes. And then Thaddeus says, hey, Rob, I never owned this sewer playset as a kid because I could never find it in any of the toy stores growing up. So I made my own sewer using colored building blocks that my uncle had from his childhood. Oh, wow. <laughs> the only problem with this is that it looked more like a castle for it instead of a sewer. Yeah. I would also use Lincoln Logs. Oh, gosh, I remember those. I also used Lincoln Logs and made a base for Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady. I do own the Lego TMNT sewer playset based on the 2012 cartoon series, though, and would love to do a review of it sometime if you guys are interested. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Uh, Yeah, it's still in the box because my room is so small and I'm running out of room for my turtle stuff. I I feel you there. We all know. We all know the trouble, man. (laughs) He says, hopefully one day I can put it together. 
And then uh, our buddy David Ramsey says, Thaddeus Manning, I have it in storage, When I and when I get there, I'll find it if it's yours. Oh, and if I find it, it's yours. I still have that set of the TMNT cookie cutters for you also. What? We were just talking about that. Man, that how is you do that Thaddeus? Why are you going to send him those cookie cutters, man? <laughs> That's just a waste of postage. How it's- crazy is that? I've ne- we never even discussed cookie cutters, and then we just happen to read this feedback on our play set, and boom, there it is. Cookie cutters. That's what it's brings like- the world together. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. Bad cookie cutters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it takes different strokes t- to move the world. Oh, yes, it yeah. does. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, and then... Um, the last bit of feedback we got, we, we got another email from our good buddy Marcos, and he just wished us a Happy New Year. Uh, gave thank us a couple Marcos. links. Yeah, thank you, Marcos. Happy New Year to you, too, and, and Happy New Year to everybody listening. Um, he gave us a couple links on, oh, what was the first one? Oh, oh, the first one was really interesting. It was a heads up that uh, on Amazon, you can pre-order this. This is a hardcover. It's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Eastman and Laird's Mirage Studios covers. Um, yeah. It's like a compilation. I've I've not seen this before. I had heard of it, but I haven't I haven't I haven't actively looked for it either. So, oh man, well it looks like it's thirty nine ninety nine. Uh, it comes out June twenty seventh of two thousand seventeen, which is right around my birthday. It'd be a great birthday present. Uh huh. Actually, I think that's Jay Weezy's birthday. Oh really? I think so. I think he's June twenty seventh. Um, and it says. The book that classic TMNT fans have been waiting for. All the covers from the earliest days of Mirage Studios in one archival collection. Plus pencils, inks, paintings by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, including all the original sketches, behind-the-scenes insight, and never-before-seen works made available through the incredible archives of Eastman and Laird. A must-have volume for Turtles fans and collectors. So, man, I think that's worth the money. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, especially if you're uh, a huge fan of the Mirage comics. So I think I think that's definitely worth getting. I'm going to look into that uh, as soon as we're done recording. Well, sometime today, anyway. I'll look into that. Absolutely. And um, the only other thing uh, that that's a little bit new, I guess we won't do a news segment uh, this week because there's nothing really major that's happened. But the only other thing that was kind of a sad news to begin uh, 2017 was um, the... Mutants in Manhattan, the digital downloads from Activision. Uh, apparently, Activision's pulling them from all the digital sources. So, yeah. if you have a digital download of that game, hold on to it. Do not get rid of your system because you will lose that game. It'll be hard to find, and that'll probably jack up the prices of the um, uh, the hard copies. So, I know. I looked at the I looked at a hard copy of it on uh, uh, Amazon this morning, and it's already increased by like ten bucks. No kidding! So, wow. Yeah, it was like a forty dollar game. Now it's fifty. So yeah, so so what what could be the reason? I, I mean, th- I wonder honestly, why. I, I don't think it's anything benevolent because like the uh, Activision is deleting Amazing Spider-Man one and two off the uh, digital stores as well, and more than likely, what it is is they just lost their license for Ninja ah, Turtles gotcha. Spider-Man. So if you have that on your hard drive, don't take it off. Don't no. don't delete it because you won't yeah. get it back. Yeah, don't take off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Well, dude, we got something to talk about. Okay. And that is your amazing, and I'm, I'm not saying that, Josh, if you weren't here, I would say the same exact thing, I promise. Uh, <laughs> I promise all you listeners, this is the honest to God's truth. Josh, w- I read his story. Okay, first of all, the story's called Punishment. He talked about it a little bit on the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and, and on the last episode I said, hey, man, I, I'm really close to finishing it. Well, I finished it this morning, part nine and the epilogue. And, dude, you did a phenomenal job. I mean, oh, thank you, man. Man, I mean, I, no joke. I got goosebumps at the end of um, the ninth part where I, – I, I, do you want me to give anything away? I don't want to do that. You if, know what? That it, Part nine has been out for like two weeks now. We might as well. Yeah, it's no problem. Anybody that listens to this that is going to read it has probably already read it by now. So. <laughs> well, um, guys, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes. I know you just put all the parts together in one giant part. Do you mm-hmm. want me to leave a link for that one instead? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay, I'll leave that in the show notes. Um Man, I don't even know where to begin. I actually took some notes on just some things I loved about it. Um, okay, first first thing, I loved uh, your encounter with Raph and the Rat King um, in, in Part 9. Yeah. Man, I just think you nailed Rat King. Like, just, first of all, just the way you described him. You know, he's so so gross and slithery and slimy. And, you know, you described his nasty teeth, his bandages, you know. His, <laughs> uh, the, the physical part was great. But then you also kind of got into the mental part of Rat King, which makes him even more frightening. Because yeah. let's face it, the Rat King was, in, in my opinion, I think you and I have, share the same opinion on this. The Rat King's a monster. I mean, the mm-hmm. title of... The Rat King's debut was I Monster. Yeah. It, and it came out, I think, in October. So when, when Jim Lawson wrote this, I think it was meant to be a scary story. And guess what? You stuck with that same theme. And I know it's 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 easy to kind of dismiss the Rat King as that, that funny character on the 87 series, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I definitely wanted to go into, like, the spiritual aspect of what the Rat King is, at least how I perceive him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. While he is a monster, he looks gross and disgusting. He's really not. He really has no dangerous intentions toward the turtles. He kind of he kind of likes the turtles, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he kind of is intrigued by Raphael, which is why he keeps showing up to Raphael, uh, because like Raph is this guy who was a super angry guy who just got over it, and Rat King is kind of intrigued by that. I really liked the uh, he's. He's definitely I wanted to include him because he's definitely in my opinion he is the most powerful villain in the Turtles Rogues Gallery who is just yeah. underused. I, I totally agree and I think IDW is kind of flirting around with it right now. Yeah. Um they're, they're saying hey, you know, he is part of the pantheon right now. There's no telling what he could do. There's no yeah. telling what he I, they, we've got nothing from him yet. Um but he, we will. I've got that feeling. And and that's that's what I loved about what you did here because you get this this terrifying sequence where Raph, you know, where the Rat King's to telling him, you know, you're going to lose everyone. You're going to mm-hmm. lose everyone you could love. And this 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 sequence right here, for a split second, I, I, it was, I was a little shocked because I was like, wait a minute, did I miss something? Because Leonardo was dead. Right there. And then all the people around him, all, all the people he loved, uh, including um, uh, Mona Lisa, dead. You know, in his arms, mm-hmm. and and she's she's barely alive. She's hanging on to her last breaths as Raph's holding her, and she's saying, "Raph, Raph." And then we get this. We finally get this realization that it was a dream. Yeah. However, it's foreshadowing too, because something serious happens at the end of this same part, part nine. Yeah. Um, you mind if I describe it? Yeah. Or? No. Go full spoilers. It's no problem. Yeah, because the okay. uh, the end of the first story, a day in the life, ended. Very similarly, similarly, where uh, Raphael has Leonardo in his arms, and with the second story, 
uh, it just escalated from there. I think that's kind of a, a tradition I'm going to do where uh, Racking shows up at the very end. You know the story's almost over because Racking's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so Raph, he... um. You know, he wakes up and he's like, oh, God, thank God that was just a dream. But he still feels very unnerved and still very nervous because he, he has a feeling something terrible is about to happen, mm-hmm. which is definitely true. So we kind of get this, you know, really great sequence after this, a shift in um, perspectives where it's through Leo's eyes. Yeah. And he's talking to Usagi Ojimbo, and I love the interaction between these two. That was the hardest one for me to write. Because... Oh, you did a great job with it. Thank you very much. Just because I've never really read too much Usagi Ojimbo comics, I don't have that many. So it's definitely the Usagi Ojimbo from the '88 cartoon. I went and watched, and and the 2003 cartoon actually. It's it's probably more in line with the 2003 version of Usagi. Awesome. Uh, because and that was just because an episode that I really loved, and it's a very similar storyline because Leonardo failed at something, and Usagi is there telling him. Uh, well, I'll let you go into it. Yeah, just to kind of go off of what you said, Leo has been beating himself up pretty dramatically. I mean, pretty pretty traumatically, I should say. Um, he uh, blames himself for what happened to Splinter. He, he can't seem to let that go. Yeah. And Yojimbo just says, hey, look, you need to be there for your brothers. It's mm-hmm. not your fault what happened. And, you know, Yojimbo is kind of the, the voice of reason here. Yeah. And Leo's like, how? How can I not let this bother me? I mean, how can I be a leader in front of my brothers? And basically, Yojimbo says, you have to be. They're looking to you, and you have to be. You have to quit being your own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And right at that moment, this touching sequence and great dialogue. I'm not doing it justice. Um, <laughs> great, great dialogue between the two. I loved it. That was one of my favorite parts. Just out of nowhere, it was a shark, right, that comes in? Yeah, that was uh, for uh, people that was that read right? the whole story. That was Armagon from the Archie series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. I thought so. I was like a shark, shark, and then I was like, oh, Armagon. Yeah, it was a. Uh, there was a one of the members of the Dominators from the first story, which was a guy named William Sharp, who was a, a mercenary, who is actually really good friends with the series villain uh, Oroku Ryu. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets mutated probably about midway through the story, and then this is his big debut right at the end. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, so he comes busting in, and at, before Leo even has a chance to react, Armagon tears right into his chest. Yeah, and, he uh, you know, oh, lifts him up wow. and bites him. Yep. No kidding. I mean, just ripped him apart. And it just it was so jarring. Out of nowhere it happens. And then <laughs> Leo's just in shock, just laying there. And then you get the, the biggest kind of... Uh, knife in the back um, with oh man do I want to give this away I, I, yeah, it's it's fine you know what just go ahead and put a spoiler warning up if, if okay. people want to skip it just like skip 10 minutes yes. from yes yeah, sk- skip away please please because yeah. uh, this is a big turn because yeah. f- correct me if I'm wrong but wasn't Karai Leo's friend for most of the series yeah she's she's a uh, at least an uh, she's friends with Leonardo she's an ally to everybody else yeah she's, yeah uh, yeah but Karai is actually the series villain, Hun, who is actually behind the whole uh, Dominators movement and um, pretty much letting everyone know that it's it's not the Dominators at all. It's the Foot Clan this whole time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a smart, smart move. And uh, she turns on, on Karai, or she, Karai, of all the people, of all the characters, and, you know, she earned my trust, man. Uh, she's the one who organized this attack. And then she pulls a gun. It was a, it was a gun, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. She pulls a gun on Leo, who's already dying, 
And I love how you wrote this here. So Leo's sight's fading. And yet he can still grasp and understand that's Karai. She's got a gun. His heart breaks because he mm-hmm. trusted her. And like as his sight's fading, he can see Rav coming in the distance trying to save him, but he's just too late. You know, he's too late. He's too, he's too far away. He's not going to make it in time. And Karai, she puts the gun to Leo's head, and then the last thing you hear in that part is her pull the trigger. Yeah, and that's it. Boom! Mm-hmm. That's how nine ends. And then at, you, you're cra- you're you would be a good comic writer, and I'm going to tell you why. One, <laughs> one, you're a good writer, and two, you know how to make us wait. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because in the epilogue, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh I my was... god, is he dead? Is he dead?" And then I read the epilogue, and it's about Ryu, and I'm like, "No, but I like Ryu a lot." I got to know what happens to Leo. Yeah, and, uh, I, I was I was really worried about that because that was I I had the idea to uh, I'll get into it later, but I had the idea to continue the story. I was like, well, what's a good cliffhanger? It's like, oh god, I'm gonna make so many people mad. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Just, no, it was great. I loved it. I, I really did. That was so good. So well done. I mean, I had chills at the end. I, and I know it sounds so cheesy, but nah, it's the I, truth. It really, I, I really appreciate it. Good storytelling will do that. And, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. And then the epilogue has just as much of a uh, shocker at the end as Part 9 did. So, you know, you got Ryu, which, who I find really fascinating because I kind of like the guy, and I know I shouldn't. Um, but... He, you know, he's trying to kind of keep his distance, but Karai sends him a letter. To sum it up, just says, I love you. If you want to be part of this, there's something I want to show you. Yeah. And was this Karai's house, or, or where was this? Uh, this is on uh, the uh, their home, their base on Burnow Island. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, the uh, Peter Eastman Hospital. So, oh, I love that Peter Eastman. That's yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a homage to the creators and as well as the IDW series being on Burnout Island. So I love it. But it's a it's an island that uh, the Foot Clan actually owns it. So like, there's if you're wondering why in a future storyline when there's a huge battle at some point on that island, people are gonna be like, well, where's the cops? It's like, well, because nobody owns it by the Foot Clan. So don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a very comic book reason that I'm not really happy with, but it's just one of those things that's going to happen. Hey, it works. I like it. And yeah. then, um, so anyways, you know, Karai says, hey, there, if, if you want to know more, if, if you don't want to abandon me or, you know, she, she's very reasonable about it. She's like, I understand if you want to walk away from this, but if you want to know more about everything that's going on, check behind the bookcase. Yeah. And he pulls and real quickly, if you don't mind, if you're sure. really paying attention to the story, she uh, she's kind of manipulating Ryu. She knows he's not going to go anywhere, and she's made sure of it. Ah, oh. around the midpoint of the story, she does something. Uh, something happens that cements Ryu's uh, uh, motivation within. Ah, oh. so she she gives him a choice, but it's a choice she knows the answer to, basically. Well, so he he goes down, uh, he looks at this bookshelf, and then he looks, and there's this little picture, and he finds out that it's a picture he's never seen before. It's one of his father, Shredder. Mm -hmm. At first, he tries, he's like, behind the bookcase, so he tries moving the bookcase, and it's not not budging, and then, what was it, he pulled, did he pull out the picture, or was there like something attached to it? Yeah, he tried uh, uh, lifting up the picture, and he found a cord, there was a, it's a cartoon thing. He uh, lifts up the picture and there's a cord attached to it and it moves the bookcase. It, it's like kind of like a you know, like just, Batman right there. 
Yeah, I know. It's kind of like the Batman, the William Shakespeare bust, where you lift the head and push the button, and the bat, the bat cave entrance shows That's up. That's great. That's yeah. great. And then, uh, so he goes in and he sees this like laboratory, that this big study here, you know. That, so it leads to this dark hallway, and then eventually he gets to this lab, and that's where he sees uh, a whole bunch of lab equipment, and he sees these hospital beds, and and one of them. Uh, way in the corner, kind of in the darkness, you can hardly see it, is he hears a voice. And uh, at first, I, 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 didn't, I didn't grasp what was going on. And I was like, who could that be? And then you kind of get the big shocker. And um, spoilers here. All you hear, let me, I wish I had it on me. I, I don't know the exact line. Um he asks uh, the the uh, guy asks who's there, and then he says, yeah. yeah, he says who's there, and then Ryu is just kind of shocked because he has no idea what's going on. And the guy, the voice says to him again, you know, I won't ask you again. Come yeah. forward, yeah, right, yeah. And that's when I knew I was like, oh man, no one talks like that except for one character I know. <laughs> uh, and uh, after he says that, Ryu kind of nervously walks toward the figure that's laying on the bed, the hospital bed. And it is Shredder, his father, yep. and mm-hmm. he is still alive. And uh, and that's how the epilogue ends. And I was like, "Holy cow!" Yeah, because there's a there's a lot of big reveals in that last chapter. Not only is there not only is the Shredder alive again, um, a character that I've for two whole storylines now I've been saying that you know he's dead and he's had this huge impact on the turtles' whole life. You know, even before they were created or before they were born. He's had a huge influence upon them. And I've said, you know, he's dead, not coming back. And I, the way, the reason I brought him back was because I had posted a picture of on Facebook of somebody had taken a picture of Scorpion from Mortal Kombat and through Photoshop and MS Paint or whatever, put a Foot Clan uniform on him. And I thought, well, this will, I'll, I'll use that picture as a representation of Oroku Ryu because he's a character that I created and there's no artistic representation of them and so i posted on facebook advertising a chapter i was writing at the time and somebody said oh my god is that shredder you know could that be shredder without the blades and all that i was like no it's not shredder that's this character rokuryu blah 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 and somebody said you would never do shredder would you and i was like oh man i couldn't do shredder i already said he's dead and so and a buddy of mine like private messaged me and said you know what i i challenge you to do shredder i was like okay (laughs) that's awesome how could I bring Shredder back? And I thought of two ways to do it. And two of them, like one of them, Nicole told me like, don't do that. You know, cause it was one thing I was going to do was like, um, this isn't a spoiler cause I'm not going to do it this way, obviously. But the original way I was going to bring Shredder back was Kurai had been using the antigen and the mutagen. And I'll go into more later, but after Shredder was brought back using mutagen the first time, um, he was he wasn't the shredder. He's kind of like a zombified version of the shredder because his blood type wasn't compatible with the mutagen. So right. uh, after he was killed the second time, Karai used brain tissue and spinal fluid recovered from shredder and mixed it with the mutagen and antigen. So it would constantly re- the antigen. All it does is just repair. It just is cellular repair from whatever uh-huh. injury or disease. So it would constantly heal his body's uh, rejection of the mutagen. And what it would do, what she would do, is she would take this mixture, this cocktail of basically fluids from the shredder, and inject them in the Ryu 
the fluid inside would take over Ryu's body. So it would be the body of Oroku Ryu, but mentally it would be Oroku Saki. Oh, wow. And Nicole said, that is such a Resident Evil 5 thing for you to do. You should not do that at all. (laughs) I was like, oh, that would be really cool. And she's like, you know, that's just like so creepy and really invasive. And I was like, like, yeah, that doesn't seem like something... It seems like something Shredder would do, like something would happen to Shredder like that, but it doesn't seem like something he would be okay with, especially if it's his son. Yeah. So I was like, okay, since it's the whole son dynamic there, I won't do that. But and I was like, okay, so they recovered his body. They used the antigen to heal him, and he's back to life. It is Shredder. It's not a clone. It's not a carbon copy. It is a Rokusaki. And now he has his son and his daughter fighting alongside him. Wow. And Good so stuff. it'll... It'll definitely be a... I'm really excited to write them. I'm really nervous about writing them. <clears throat> because while it is the Shredder, it's definitely going to be a different one than we've seen before. Yeah. It will definitely be him having a son that he never wanted to become a warrior. Uh, because, uh-huh. And I'll go into it because, like, he looked... Basically, he looked at Karai and knew she was a killer. And he looked at Ryu and he knew he wasn't. Oh, interesting. So that's why they were separated. But now that he sees that his son has made the choice to become a killer and become a member of the Foot Clan now, he's kind of like, well, man, this is not what I wanted for him, but this is the choice that he made, so I have to respect that. You know, so not to give too much away from the next story, um, but yeah, I, I really... Do you, want me, want... do you want me to leave all that in, what you just said? Yeah, no, 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 go right ahead, yeah, because okay. I've... I've that's going to be the uh, crux of Ryu's motivation in the third story. And I'm hoping to have the first part of the third story out next month. I'm going to start writing it right away. You're doing a great job, man. I'm just calling this right now. Man, there's got to be a way you can get involved in comics somehow. I mean, (laughs) that's that's my dream too. Like I want to get – I want to be a comic writer. That's something I've always wanted. And uh, man, I think you've got a. I think you've got a talent. I, I really do. I, I think you have a gift for storytelling and pacing. That uh, comics, you know, that's a perfect fit for what you do. And uh, this is good stuff, man. I really, really enjoyed this. And listeners, you got to go check out Punishment if you've not heard it. He's got it all in one part right now, or all together in one uh, giant document on his website at bargainbinradio.com. I'll leave a link for it. But, man, good storytelling. If you're a fan of the Ninja Turtles, you're a fan of all the characters, good storytelling. Um, you know, in, in so many ways it's good storytelling. Uh, you know, with pacing, with just the, the writing style, with the fact that he's doing things that have not been done with the Turtles yet. Uh, just, you got to go check it out. It's really good. And I'm not just saying that. I really, really enjoyed this. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Of course, much. man. Hey, that'll be $5. $5 off to the right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But one thing that I wanted to uh, mention yeah. here is that not only was Shredder in that laboratory, too, there was also uh, a couple of mutants that were long since. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Had. Yeah, there's uh, Leatherhead and Slash are in that laboratory as well, yeah, as well as another yeah. uh, mutant uh, named Candy, who was Mondo Gecko's girlfriend in the Archie comics. She wasn't a mutant in the uh, Archie series. She was just a normal person. Uh, but I chose to make her a mutant just uh, to show that there were so many more casualties uh, that yeah. the Dominators had. And I kind of was influenced by a, 
Tanya from the Meets Animals in the IDW series. So she's a, a mutant cat. But uh, awesome. they're kind of wondering, you know, you'll find out why uh, or how they uh, live through their execution because they were shot and killed like everyone else, but somehow they still live through it. And the reason I pretty much the reason I put it, specifically Leatherhead and Slash, the reason I put it in there is because I don't think there's ever going to be a Leatherhead versus Slash fight. So <laughs> hoping to, I'm hoping to put that in there somewhere, you know, so ah, be great. That'd be great. Yeah, so uh, yeah, definitely to uh, toot my own horn a little bit. <laughs> definitely wanted to show some more things in there. So, IDW, you know, <laughs> if, if if anyone's listening, you know, Josh is available. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm swamped right now, apparently. So that's awesome, man. I, I this is this is great stuff. So guys, go check it out. I'll definitely um, provide a link for you. Hey, did she say pizza? So you live in an antique store? Yep, pizza. Mm. Above, actually. Well, I was going to give you guys a tour of the store. Ready? All right, guys. Well, uh, today we are covering uh, the 2007 uh, film Toys, or at least some of them. And uh, I have very little um, of these toys, although I do have uh, – it's kind of cool that it, it worked out this way. Uh, I was helping my dad move some stuff, or my, my stepdad move some stuff last week. And he's clearing out the basement, and I used to live in the basement with them, you know, while I was in college and stuff. And uh, and he was clearing out some of my old stuff. He said, "Hey, I got some turtle stuff for you." I said, "What?" And <laughs> he had, uh, I don't know where these came from. I don't, I don't remember getting them for Christmas, but they were the 2007 movie turtles Christmas ornaments. I had a, a box set of them, and uh, that was kind of a neat surprise that I don't even remember at all. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I love the 2007 film, and we are definitely going to talk about that one day because it's, oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's very underrated, very good. We should do um, a whole commentary on that, like one whole – just watch the whole movie. That's our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Maybe do like an anniversary of the show and just do that for the anniversary. Yeah. That would be great. Um, but yeah, uh, love the 2007 film, love the figures. I just didn't have a whole lot. So, uh, Josh, you take the reins on this, man. So what do you have? Okay, so uh, for the TMNT movie, they had a whole, like, there was, like, two two years' worth of toys that Playmates got out of this one movie that apparently nobody saw. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's see here. So they have, what I have personally in my collection is I have the four turtles. I've got the Leonardo figure right up here. I've got the four turtles. I've got the Shredder, Karai, and a Foot Soldier. I have to say, honestly, these turtles are pretty cool looking they're the the yeah. sculpts are amazing you know they are really they're very tall for the uh ninja turtle figures at the time they're they seem much more in line with like the next mutation figures where they were much taller than the original four uh figures from oh, wow. the four turtles from the uh from the 88 series so and the sculpts are really cool they got a nice range of motion in the articulation in the arms and the shoulders the heads are on nice ball joints, so you can get a really good range of motion looking up and down, side to side, all the way around if you want to. They have very exaggerated features, like the bandanas are really long on the backs. And the only thing I don't like about the turtles specifically is because is uh, the feet, the bottoms of the feet are really knobby because they got like the, the balls of the feet and the heels and everything. They're pretty realistic, but they make them kind of difficult to stand on. It's mm-hmm. like they've got one way that they can stand, and you just have to find it. <laughs> you know, 
But the size of the feet is great if you want to make them have like crouching positions. Like they can, their center of most, their center of gravity is pretty. It seems pretty low. You can like get really dynamic poses with these. The paint jobs are really nice. All of them have a different shade of green. Each turtle is a different shade. Oh, and wow. the only gripe I have is on the Michelangelo figure where his eyes are just kind of like really googly looking. <laughs> and like they're kind of, you know, his eyes are each facing a different way. And like they're both facing outside, basically. Like one <laughs> eye is looking at three, the other eye is looking at nine. And it just, it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't look cool. <laughs> right. mean, you can fix it if you if you have a, a set of paints and a really small fine brush. You can fix it. That being said, you shouldn't have to fix it. You know, it should be pretty center on there. Uh, that's really my only gripe about that. They all come with like their signature weapons, and they each come with a, an additional accessory. Like Michelangelo came with a skateboard. Raphael came with a set of dumbbells. Donatello <laughs> came with uh, a pair of goggles to go over his mask. Um, and Leonardo came with the glider that he shot out of the airplane with in the movie, that really cool scene where he comes out of the landing gear of that plane. Oh, yeah. And and just kind of, like, hovers his way down into the Hudson River and into the sewers below. Uh, he comes with that little hang glider that attaches to his back. Really, really cool figures to have. Uh, they're certainly not cheap. At the time I got them, I got them for around twenty bucks a figure. Yeah, that's a lot cheaper than them now. Uh, yeah, now they're probably around thirty to forty each figure. Yeah, actually, I'm I'm looking at uh, uh, eBay right now. Like some of them are are even fifty boxed. Like yeah. I'm looking at a shredder right now that's forty four ninety nine. Yeah, there's a boxed Alien Hunter for thirty five forty nine. Loose, they're at least ten dollars a piece. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I was a little surprised at how expensive these figures are. But I mean, they are expensive. But to be fair, they are worth finding, and they're easy to find. You can find oh, them on yeah. Amazon, eBay, Pinterest, whatever you got. But you can find them pretty easily. And in my opinion, they are worth the price. You know, I yeah, mean, yeah. if you are a serious collector, you have to understand these toys haven't been in production since two thousand nine. You know, that's eight years. So you know, they are. They're much cheaper than trying to find uh, figures from the '88 series, from the 2003 series, even. Yeah, well, I mean, let, let's let's face it. I mean, like you said, not a lot of besides you know hardcore fans and you know some some casual fans, but it, it didn't have the. I don't think the 2007 film. It just didn't seem like people made a big deal about it like they did, say, the live action films. Yeah, it didn't have the impact. Yeah. It just didn't seem at the time because I remember I was uh, I was still in college then I think um, just about to finish up but I remember going to the theater um, opening night and just not seeing it wasn't a full house um, yeah and they they tried their best to promote it and it looked great and it was a great film it just didn't seem to have the impact that the early ones did but what blew my mind is um, I'm looking at the TMNT Toys Museum uh, mm -hmm. I think it's TMNTToys.com great great website. Um, they have a whole section just dedicated to the the 2007 film. Yeah. There are a lot of figures, and I did not know they had this many releases. Yeah, they went all out for this series. You know, no kidding. Like, just just to kind of give you an idea, like they have mini mutant vehicles and play sets, the TMNT movie mutations, shell shifters, sub sewer turtles, uh, sludge runners. I, <laughs> you know, it's a lot more than I thought. Yeah. And, you know, 
not only did they have, I mean, there were certainly a lot of figures made because, I mean, they had, not only did they have, like, the Foot Clan figures, they had the Turtles themselves, and then they had the Stone Generals, but they also had the 13 Monsters. Yeah. You know, and while they didn't have 13, they had, they had a good selection of them. They had, like, they also had figure two packs with, like, Raphael, with, like, all the Turtles against a certain general. You know, like, so you'd have Leonardo against one of them, Raphael against another general, and they had four two-packs with these. And those are the ones that I wish I would have gotten, but I'm glad I didn't because I just don't have the room to display them all. And you know what? I think it's really kind of kind of cool that they put out a Shredder figure, and the Shredder's not even in that movie. Right, and he looks great. Oh, God, this is my, this is my favorite Shredder figure that I wow, have. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, and I even have the NECA Mirage Shredder, and, like, this this is my Shredder figure right here. I, I love this one. This is, like, when when I saw this come out of the box, it was like, okay, this is the Shredder that I'm going to write about. So, like, <laughs> this is a dark, evil, this is a dangerous-looking Shredder. And they don't go too crazy with the amount of blades on them. The, yeah. uh, I really like the human character designs where they, they really look... They look just kind of weird looking, you know. They they they're definitely human characters, but they definitely have a certain art style about them. The April yeah. O'Neil figure is a really cool figure. I don't have it, of course. I'm not going to get it just because the April and Casey Jones figures are another ones that are kind of rare to get. Especially the Casey Jones figure, uh, he's running for like eighty bucks a pop, you know. Wow, no kidding. And he's like the super armored up looking Casey. Yeah. Uh, with the black pads and the white and the metal mask and everything, looks really cool. The Karai figure was the one that was the most expensive. I had had my eye on a Karai figure, this specific one, for two years now because she was running for like ninety bucks at least, and at the most expensive, she was running for one hundred and forty. Wow, and, no kid. Yeah, and I found this one. This was the cheapest one I had seen. I had found her for forty. I was like, okay, I'll drop the money for that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, specifically because I wasn't technically paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, all three of these uh, villains figures that I have, uh, the Shredder, Karai, and the Foot Soldier figure, uh, I got with gift cards. So if you have gift cards, spend them on this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that's uh, what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think my favorite sculpt is probably the Foot Soldier figure You know, I have right here. Yeah, he looks great. Yeah, it, this is probably my favorite. This is my favorite foot soldier design too. I really like it, not even a foot soldier, just the Foot Clan. Like this is the most ninja looking ninja figure that the Turtles have ever put out, in my opinion. Really looks like an exaggerated version of that old Mirage style comics. And he came. They all come with like so many. Like the Shredder came with like thirty different weapons. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> not literally. He came with like three swords and a and a shield, like a full body length shield. Which awesome. why does the shredder need a shield? Why does the shredder even need swords? But I know you cool would think with all that armor. I know he's got all that armor and like uh, the cape and shoulder blades. Actually, the cape can be removed, and the shoulders actually they can't be removed. I don't think, but I'm not going to try. But it, the uh, shoulders can actually be adjusted. The shoulder armor can actually be adjusted on the figure. And the helmet can be removed. And actually, the Karai figure, because she has that red and black mask, which, if you read TMNT Punishment and really paid attention to my close attention to my description of uh, Hun, I pretty much told you that it was Karai from the very first chapter. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, because she, had, there. because she had the red and black mask on. And oh. 
Oh, very nice. Yeah. The uh this figure, the hunt the uh Karai figure, uh actually comes with a second head. It actually comes with the Karai head without the mask, so you can like pop this head off and put another one on. Uh <laughs> I'm not gonna do that just because this one looks a lot better than the Karai head. Yeah. Um I just don't re- it looks really generic. Looks like just generic human figure. <laughs> This one looks so much more dynamic and much more sinister and fits more in line with what the Foot Soldier and uh, Shredder figures look like. Right. Uh, so, in my opinion, the villains are much uh, much more attractive-looking figures than the actual Turtle figures themselves. I really like their designs a lot better than the Turtles. And I love the Turtles' design. You know, like, they have very distinct-looking... Nothing really looks like those 2017 T film characters. You know, they they they're a nice blend of realism and animation. So awesome! So so, how many slices of pizza would you give these figures? I'd give these ones like an eight because it is kind of a mixed bag. You know, like a, yeah. a, 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 a se- well, I'd give them a seven. You know, because like there are a couple of paint uh, uh, paint issues with a couple of the figures. Uh, Karai's uh, points of articulation really leaves a lot to be desired because her arms and legs move and that's it. There's articulation at the wrist, but not at the elbows and not at the knees. That's really about it, just at the hips and the waist and the shoulders. That's about it. Her head moves too, but because she's wearing a hood, her head doesn't really move from side to side because the hood gets in the way. And with the, the other... Uh, uh, Karai head, her hair gets in the way so her head doesn't really move much but the paint is spot on on the villains like yeah, yeah it is just a bunch of grays, blues and blacks but it's really pronounced, it really looks beautiful and with the turtles themselves the varying shades of green looks nice and the turtle shells while they are just brown they have so much attention to detail in the shells themselves they look like actual turtle shells would look. And, of course, the uh, the breastplates and stomach definition of the turtles with the uh, interior shell on the uh, chest and stomach areas looks very, very detailed. It's got the scratches and it's got uh, wear and tear that would naturally happen to uh, the way turtles look just from being scuffed up and marked. Uh, they've got really good definition in the muscles. Um, and... One thing that is hit or miss with every single turtle figure out there is how easily the hands fit in uh, fit the weapon. How easily the weapons fit into the hands, the grasp. Yeah. It's like, is it too loose or is it too tight? Does it feel like you're going to break a figure if you put a put a sword in Leonardo's hands? Fortunately, all of the turtles fit their weapons nicely, and they are big turtles too. They are like easily about five inches tall, maybe even closer to six. They are really good anywhere in between four and a half and five and a half inches in height. So it's a good balance between like the original TMNT figures, which were about three and a half inches and any of the crazy collectible figures that are around six inches, but are way too much for people to be asked to pay for, for a figure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely. I would highly recommend getting your hands on these uh, TMNT 2007 movie figures. Uh, they're definitely worth the money. They're pretty easy to find. If you go on Amazon and just look up TMNT 2007 action figures, you're going to find a whole slew of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I those are some pretty figures. And, you know, it, it's kind of interesting how 
the film kind of it, it came out about four years after the 2003 show came out. There's still some similarities between the figures and still some similarities between the, the film and the show, you know, in, in style of the tone. So, you know, it, it, it was definitely an interesting time in turtle history. I, I really, really enjoyed that era of the turtles. Yeah, and it's definitely weird. That movie is like a reboot of the film series, but it's also in canon with the original three films. Yeah. <laughs> so... What do yes. you do with it? It is just kind of like this weird oddball movie that's in the Turtles canon. And God, do I wish they had had the sequels come out because like, yeah, the sequels to the movie sound amazing. Like the, the second film was supposed to adapt city at war and oh it was gosh. supposed to be like Michelangelo was just kind of tired of not being taken seriously. And he was supposed to uh, go to Karai and become a member of the foot clan. And oh. And the th- and it was like whoa really, and the third movie was supposed to be the Triceraton invasion with the Technodrome and everything coming in, and Krang and you know uh, the second movie was supposed to have the return of Shredder, and the third movie was supposed to be the you know the alien invasion. I was like wow that could have been wow what could have been yeah yeah but just the third film despite making a lot of money, it didn't make enough money. You know, like yeah. this movie was made with a budget of forty million, and it made like a hundred million. So it made a lot of, uh, it made a huge profit, but it wasn't like the blockbuster three hundred million dollar movie that people were thinking it was going to be. Yeah, well, you know, especially with a lot of the blockbusters at that time. I, th- I think the first Transformers movie came out around then, and I, I could be yeah. wrong on the dates there, but there were a lot of big block- blockbusters for it to compete with. Yeah, and you know what? It, and there is, I mean, still to this day, there was a stigma of it being an animated movie. It was just like, well, oh, I'm, sure, not, yeah. I'm not going to see it. That movie's for kids. And the people that took their kids to it were kind of like, uh, this is a little dark for our kids to be watching. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I was actually having a conversation with B.J. Hahn, uh, and that was actually her favorite Turtles film. She says that is her go-to Turtles film. And I, you know, I, and I think there's a lot of people that actually feel that way. Yeah, you know, it it's definitely within my top three. It's like the 1990 Ninja Turtles film, TMNT, and then probably Turtles Out of the Shadows is my is my third. Oh yeah, you know. Oh wow, pretty high praise. Oh yeah, dude, I love that movie. I don't I don't care if people think I'm wrong. Yeah. So. Oh, you know, opinions. You know what? It, look at it this way: it didn't have them rapping with Vanilla Ice in it. Okay, you're really gonna say that Out of the Shadows <laughs> that bad? It was an episode of the cartoon. Oh, that's great. That's but I great. digress, because that's another rabbit hole that we could go didn't go into. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Violators. You're in Casey's Comic Classroom. Prepare to be schooled. Uh, well, all right, guys. Well, today we are, for our comic book focus, we are reading issue six of the uh, Mirage Volume 4 series. And... This is an interesting series. Um, you know, we've talked about this a lot in the past. This takes place several years. The turtles are much older, and uh, you know, Josh and I theorize that they're probably in their mid thirties here, or maybe yeah. late twenties uh, or early thirties. Yeah, they were. It's well, definitely a few years. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fifteen years after the first volume. Yeah, and I and I think they were probably what fifteen or sixteen in the first volume. Yeah, they were they were fifteen. Yeah, so 15, they're around okay. thirty. They're in their 30s here. Yeah, and, and when you see this cover, um, by the way, the cover was drawn by um, Jim Lawson and was colored by, I got it written down here, 
covered by Jim Lawson and Michael Dooney, um, okay. who played a, a very, very huge role in this series, along with, of course, the creator, Peter Laird. Um, inking and toning was done by Laird and, and Talbot, and letters were done by Laird, and all the uh, pencils were done by Lawson and um, – yeah, Lawson in this issue. Well, you look at the cover, you've got Splinter, who's got, I guess, either hot tea or a cup of coffee. It looks like yeah. coffee from, from here. Um, he's, he's in the crosshairs of a scope. Uh, and it, you know, it's a misleading cover because when you read the issue, you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, I was so mad about this. Yeah, was, yeah, because like, oh my you know, god, Splinter's gonna get taken down. They're gonna like, kill him. They're gonna kill him. And I was like, and oh you, god, it's that nerd that Shadow's dating. Oh, okay, <laughs> great, <laughs> nerds, nerds. He looks like a nerd. You know what he looks like? He looks like Anthony Edwards in Top Gun. That's what he looks. Like, <laughs> like come on, talk that. to me, Goose. What's going on? Yeah. You know, sadly, with the glasses, he kind of looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, then again, what, who am I kidding? I am a nerd. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're on, you host a show called Turtle Flakes. True, Welcome. true. <laughs> I know, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's how it opens up. Oh, and so you open up the thing, and it is um, – you figure out right away, okay, it's probably not going to be Splinter um, getting killed here. Right. Because you see Shadow's boyfriend, um, and his name was Jay, I think? Something like Jay? That. Yeah. Yeah. He goes out with a rifle, and he's looking around, but what's kind of odd is, why does he have his rifle pointed at the house? I think it's because, like, if um, earlier in the previous issues, uh, Shadow has been dating this guy for, and Shadow is 16 years old, and she's the daughter of Casey Jones. Um, Shadow has been dating this guy for an untold number of months. You get the idea that it's a long time, and he's wondering why well why do we always hang out at my place why don't we ever go to your place yeah and she's like well you know my grandpa's really she calls splinter her grandpa i mean that is her grandpa she says you know my grandpa's really protective doesn't really know that i'm dating someone and i just i don't want you or i to have to deal with his possible wrath and what she's really doing is hiding the fact that splinter is a mutant rat you know because she doesn't know how this guy's gonna take that and that's understandable, and that's a pretty realistic uh, concern. You know, you, I could really see that happening in in real. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just he's got the rifle pointed at the house because he doesn't own a pair of binoculars, and he's just oh, okay. curious. His curiosity has overtaken him. And, yeah. So he he's just kind of like pointing that scope around and everything, and, and yeah. then he he just happens to focus on the front door as Splinter's walking out with his cup of hot tea. Yeah. And uh, he's like, what the heck? Yeah. And he, he can't believe what he's seeing. He's like, what? This is too weird. And before he can, you know, really kind of process what he's seeing, Metalhead behind him with the crazy hair. And I love that he's his name's Metalhead here because he does look like a heavy metal fan with all the crazy hair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he grabs the um, gun right out of, um, I think his name's Jay, right out of his hands. And uh, then we get a cutaway to Casey and April and the Turtles and Shadow as well. They are all in um, – oh, what was it? The They're, they're meeting – they're taking the Utrams. They were going to go somewhere, and it was patrolled by the Foot Clan, but I can't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head. Yeah, they were they're in New York City. At this point, it should be noted for people that have never uh, read Volume 4, uh, yeah. Utrams have kind of landed on Earth and made their uh, existence known. Mm-hmm. Very, very publicly, like to the point to where people are just accepting that aliens are around now. So yeah, it's kind of cool yeah. to see the turtles finally out on top of the city streets, walking around, getting pizza, whatever they're doing. And right. <laughs> um, they're going to this kind of tourist spot that the uh, alien that the Utrams have set up. 
so the humans can get to know the aliens. And so Casey, Shadow, April, and the Turtles are all meeting at this uh, tourist location. And for whatever reason, the Foot Clan runs security on this little vacation spot. Yeah. I have no idea why, but just... (laughs) Just because I, I don't even think they've mentioned why, but it's just like, no, uh, we need the Foot Clan in here somehow, right? Right. <laughs> here <Yeah>. they are. <laughs> so. Yeah, so, so they run the, some kind of test on April, and they, they find that there's something going on. Like she's smuggling some kind of weapon or something inside her, um, and, and she's completely flabbergasted. She has no idea what's going on, and the Foot yeah, Soldier's like, look. Like, they walk through, like, organic metal detectors, basically. So it's just everyone does, yeah. Right. And the Foot Clan's like, look, we got to take her. You know, we got to take her and uh, get her looked at because something's wrong here. And the <laughs> pretty much for like five pages of the comic, it's the, the turtle's going, no way. We're not letting her go. You can't take her. Yeah. And Casey Jones, he of course, he's the one who starts the fight. And uh, finally, it takes the Utroms to kind of break it up. And it's it's kind of comical the way they do it. At first, they do a like a flash grenade. Yeah. And, you know, it stuns the Foot Clan, but yeah. the Turtles are like, ha ha, well, we, we know how to, we've been trained to fight in the dark. We're ninjas. So, we fight yeah. in the dark. It's like, it's sunny outside, <laughs> moron. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're blind and everything. Yeah. And they're, you know, still fighting. And they're finally like, oh, let's try this again. So they throw uh, some kind of like. Um, they throw an actual grenade now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting, it looks like it. tired of it. <laughs> And finally, that gets their attention, and the Utrams persuade April to get in this this transmat or, or this um, I don't know a portal, yeah. yeah, containment unit, uh, and get her looked at at the hospital. And Donatello um, goes with them. And I think like my favorite part of that fight with the Foot Clan is like how there's like the lead Foot Clan member and Leonardo are not fighting; like they're talking to each other. Yeah, like can you believe these morons? While <laughs> everyone else is fighting because they're just smart enough to know that they're just going to kick the crap out of each other. Yeah. Let's just try to calm down and talk about this rationally so nobody has to get hurt. Uh, Yeah. This was my one complaint about Volume 4. Not even a complaint because it's kind of my own fault. If you haven't read all of the comics in Volume 1 and Volume 2, you kind of have no idea what's going on. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of characters that just are specifically – well, all of them are. They're all characters specifically – created for the mirage universe comics and like metalhead i was expecting a robot turtle to walk out there but no it's this dude from ozzy osbourne's band or something <laughs> like that. you know and yeah like there's uh the foot the foot clan member that leonardo was talking to is like an old rival of leonardo's they specifically mention an event that happens in volume two with baxter stockman you know, and Stockman was yeah. only in like one issue in the first volume, and then he shows up again in the second volume. Big part of, in the second volume, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's one thing that you credit to this comic book because at least they they give us some continuity too between the the volumes. Because um, yeah. right after April's taken away, it kind of cuts back to Jay running away from Metalhead, who's just trying to kind of send a message. You know, just be like, "Hey, man, leave Splinter alone." Yeah, uh, and of course Jay doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to hit Metalhead with all these branches, and it t- you know it's, it has no effect. And then it go- cuts back to the turtles in the hospital. They're waiting on uh, April to get the results, see if she's okay. And that's when Professor Honeycutt and um, uh, one of the Utrams comes out mm-hmm. and says, "Hey, guys, she's fine, but there's only one thing. There's only one problem. She's infected with nanobots, which is is kind of interesting because." Uh, the 2003 series, they there's a whole episode uh, dedicated to nanobots, and that's an yeah. uh, episode called Nano. And 
you know, I love how 2003 definitely plays homage to to a lot of the comic books. But um, the interesting thing about the nanobots is there's a theory that Honeycutt has of how she could have had nanobots inside her system. Yeah. And again, it's kind of like what you mentioned, Josh. It references the second volume when um, Baxter Stockman had infected her. But see, she didn't know. She just thought she was being stabbed in the shoulder by Baxter. But chances are he was putting these nanobots inside her. I don't know, as a means to maybe kill her or track her. Yeah. And it, it also, like, it shows that it implies that that's why Casey and April have never been able to have a kid. Whereas True, yeah. the first five issues, they really kind of focus on April and uh, Casey. Even though they love Shadow, they want to have their kid, you know? And yeah. they haven't been able to. And no, and the, her doctors cannot figure out why. Because she's healthy. You know, yeah. she's, there's nothing obviously wrong with her. And now she's got these nanobots inside of her. Yeah, at our yeah. Just and, shop, apparently. And that and that's interesting. You mentioned about the pregnancy thing too. I, I didn't even really think about that, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and, it, and it makes you wonder if she were to have a child, if there would be something wrong with it. You know? Yeah. Her, you know what they they even mentioned? I think uh, Casey was like, "Do you think that he talks the Fugitoid?" Casey said, "Do you think those uh, little robots are why we can't have a kid?" And uh, Fugitoid's like, "Yeah, that makes sense. Probably." Yeah. Well, uh, so then we get another cutaway of Jay being chased by a metalhead until um, – what's his name? Uncle Steve? <laughs> Steve or something like that? I have no idea what the Steve's name is. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's been in it since the first issue, and I know he, he he's from either Volume 1 or one of the Tales um, comics. I just don't really remember him yeah. very much. I'd be but... willing to bet like pretty much all of these sidekick characters are specifically from the tra- Tales of the TMNT comics. You yeah, know. yeah. See, I've read Volume 1, but I don't know if I've read all of the Volume 2 tales, yeah. which... Specifically um, with Jim Lawson's involvement with the fourth volume, you know he's got a bunch of his characters in there. Oh, big time, big time. And, you know, basically he he's, he kind of gives uh, Jay the old, kind of like a dad vibe, like, hey, what are you doing with our family? You know, yeah. we're not we're not happy with you. And, let's see, I love the last line. He gets on to Jay and says, you know... He's like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. I was scared to death. He goes, you may be out of the fire, but you're not out of the pan. Yeah, you're still in the frying pan. Yeah, you're still in the frying pan because he points at the gun and he realizes, hey, what were you doing aiming this gun at Splinter? Yeah. And that's how the issue ends, which is kind of an interesting way to end. That That's definitely Peter Laird's style, which... Cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it's like... It's hard to kind of rate these issues because it, it, almost, it almost plays like a... Like a novel, it's a soap know? opera. This is sort of yeah. One it's not really like oh my god, long, continuous story. Yeah, yeah. But here, here's something really interesting. I just wanted to mention real quick is uh, Peter Laird. You know, he would do which I didn't consciously steal the the title of Turtle Tracks from this, but the letter for um, from his fans was called Turtle Tracks, and I was reading it, and one of the last parts he says, he says on the back cover of this issue is my photo of two toy prototypes from the upcoming Playmates TMNT toy lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sitting on Gary Richards' desk. On the left, the Shredder, and on the right, a Foot Ninja. They're cool. For more images of the new toys, check out the official TMNT site, NinjaTurtles.com. So you look at the figures. This is before the cartoon came out. And guess what? That looks exactly like, you know, the cartoon versions. Yeah, that's the Shredder and the Foot Soldier figure that they put out. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that's probably my favorite Shredder. 
I, I love his outfit in there, and I love those red eyes. Man, you know what? He's got an enviable physique, man. I wish I had abs <laughs> like that. Man. I mean, I know. Look, look at those pecs. That dude's got some abs of steel, you know? Yeah, true. They literally look like they're made of steel, like yeah. they're blue. That's <laughs> plastic abs. So. Oh, my gosh. Look at his, look at his uh, left hand. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> He's making the, you know, like that, uh, oh, man, you, you know, punch me now. Is that what this is? Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's making the, what, what do you call it? Like? Leg too. It's like, Hey, it made you look. <laughs> yeah. It's below the waist. Yep. I got you. <laughs> now you and gotta, now you gotta get punched. If you ever wanted to know listeners, if Rob and I ever got out of the ninth grade, no, we never did. So <laughs> no, we're still stuck there. So, um, but yeah. So what would you give this issue real quick? My man, I, you know what? I'd give this one another. It's tough because it is really good. I mean, like the story, the story is like an eight or a nine. It's really good. Like this, there's a high quality level of storytelling here. It's Even a slow though, burn. Yeah, it's a slow burn, which is fine, you know. And Peter Laird definitely has an oddball storytelling. You know, he he. It's yeah. definitely really high concept. It's really good, but I just don't. I don't care for how much it depends on you reading the original first and second volume of the turtles where it's kind of like to get like a full enjoyment of it. You have to have at least a working knowledge of those original volumes. And for people like me, I've never read the second volume. Right now. I kind of, now I really want to, and I probably will get those, uh, comics one day, uh, within this year anyway. Because I know you want to talk about them, and I do, especially if we're going to talk about talk to uh, Jim Lawson again. But I'd have to give this one like a six. It's it's right in the middle. It's good. It's not. It's nowhere near a bad issue, but it it really does hinder your enjoyment if you don't have the, a working knowledge of those older books that maybe a lot of people didn't. You know. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I and, and I agree. You know, I, I love I love his storytelling, but it's definitely not like IDW's in in that. With IDW, you can expect a cliffhanger, like one. Oh my gosh, I gotta read what happens next. But this is more like, hey, relax. We're getting to this good story. Yeah. Uh, it's just gonna take some time. So the pacing's slower, but it's just to me, it's just as interesting. Um, and it's definitely because it's it's a new take. Um, it, it still feels very, very fresh. Uh, so, I I would give this this um I would give this particular issue seven metalheads out of seven or seven metalheads out of ten I should say. There you go. Yeah, you know, and you know what? My opinion on the volume four is kind of hindered by the fact that it was never finished, and it's ah true, and it's not going to be finished. I mean, Peter Laird has already said that he he's moved on. You know, he's and that's and that's great. You know, he's going to move on and do other things. Um. Body might come back, you know. Turtles will always bring you back. You never know. Yeah, you know, and it's cool that IDW or Viacom, I should say, Viacom and Nickelodeon have given them the opportunity to be like, you know, if you want to continue that series, you can do ten issues of Turtle Comics a year. You know, so, yeah, yeah. And especially since this was released bi-monthly, um, mm-hmm. you know, he could definitely just turn right around and do it again. Personally, I don't think he's going to, but. But wouldn't it be cool if, like, maybe Dooney or or one of, one of the guys who was heavily Eric Talbot or Dan Berger um, was to come back and and kind of take it over? Oh, it would be good. I keep waiting for uh, Tom Waltz to be like, okay, I'm gonna fi- I'm gonna get permission and finish it for him. I'm gonna do it. You know? Oh, that'd be interesting. That would, I, I would still read it. I would love that. Definitely. You you know what's gonna happen as soon as 
somebody because I I do believe that somebody's going to finish this volume. I just don't think it's going to be Peter Laird. I would as soon I wish it would as it be, happens, though. IDW is going to start putting collections out. So as soon as they start putting collections of these out in trade paperback form, yeah, get ready for the series to be continued, or at least I wonder, I wonder if they color it. You think they they color these? Yes, I do think they'll color them. You know what I think is going to happen? They're going to put out like the. Uh, the Ultimate Collection and the Works volumes, where it's like one's in black and white and the other one's in color. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to give you the variety. They're going to give you the choice. And personally, I wish this was a, a color series. Oh, see, see, I, I'm actually the opposite. That's that's funny. Um, I kind of like the black and white here because I love the the shading that um, Peter Laird does. I love that yeah. toning that he does. And it, with with while it works with Jim Lawson's artwork, like this is some of the best. Or the prettiest, I think, turtle comics I've seen. I, I don't know why. I just it reminds me of the original Mirage stuff, but yet yeah. it's still even. I dare say it's even grittier than some of the original stuff. Just the way it's drawn. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It definitely errs to the side of realism, and I, I de- yeah. I think Jim Lawson's art style lends itself to black and white a lot more than it does color, uh, because he's got really just like bulky looking characters and yeah and block, then with blocky looking characters he he draws a lot like john romita jr i don't know who that is <laughs> oh okay yeah. look up john romita jr's art on amazing spider-man it's it's really really cool oh, okay. very very similar in my opinion but awesome. um i would just like to see this in color just because maybe i'm a dumb guy but when you see the four turtles sitting in a room i have no idea who they are you know <laughs> Because oh, you know, like, it's black and white, and they don't have their weapons on them. You know, that's, yeah. that's what I would do. And you know what? I still think that they should do like a stylistic coloring, where like just like a black and white series, but the only thing that's color is their bandanas. I think that would be really cool. That would be cool. Yeah, you know, I like that. The cartoon colors uh, with the purple, orange, blue, and red color bandana bandanas. Ooh. Hey, Rap, where are you going? Out to a movie. That okay with you? Yeah. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are back and on the attack. Turtle power, baby. Bigger and better than ever before. Four turtles trained to be the baddest fighting force to mutate under a manhole. And with new allies, they're taking on the fiercest foes they've ever faced. Fresh from the sewers and split kicking into your home, the turtles are raising serious shell. Collect all the adventures of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. All right, guys. Well, today we are watching uh, episode seven of the first season of the 2003 Foxbox cartoon. Um, just great, great series, and it's it's nice to be back into it. And this episode is called The Way of Invisibility, um, and this came out on March 22nd, 2003 is when it aired. It was written by Marty Eisenberg, and um, just a little background from the last episode, from what I remember, uh, the Foot Clan, they were trying to steal this sword of, I think it was Tang, Tang Yu, or Tang Yu, and um, we don't really know why they want that sword yet, however, we do know that that sword has certain powers, um, and Splinter, uh, they, they end up, the Foot Clan end up stealing this sword from a museum, and the turtles catch him in the act. And although the turtles defeat most of the Foot Clan during this this encounter, they still are able to steal the sword and get away. Um, so Hun he ends up giving the sword to Shredder, and Shredder devises this plan where they use the sword, and this is where it gets weird. They <laughs> use that sword to, along with some kind of technology that they have, 
to create this beam, this beacon, that it can actually separate the waters of the East River because they're looking for something at the bottom of that river. Uh, so they use a sword, blast the beam in the river, and it clears the space, and we see what looks like a robot, s- some sort of robot. We don't know what, like an android. We don't know what it, what's important about it. They, they're they able to recover those remains of that robot, take it to Shredder, and of course the, the turtles, once again, they're fighting the Foot Clan, trying to get them to stop. But again, the Foot Clan, they end up taking those remains, and uh, Shredder, he is not happy with the, the turtles interfering. He, Shredder doesn't really recognize, we don't see if there's any connection between Shredder and Splinter yet, but all we know about Shredder right now is he is not happy with the turtles because the turtles are aware of what he's trying to do and they're getting in the way. And that's kind of where we're at right now. For those that don't know, this series gets crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Just straight guessed. off the bat, it go, It starts off off the rails. you know. Right, so. right. And it and it goes on for like another eight years. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and click play in five, four, three, two, one, and click. Ever see one of those old movies? And we got Raph sleeping right here. Now I always liked this series. It always started off with the turtle in peril, and they're voicing over their own peril right there. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of the first few uh, issues of the Mirage series. You know, where a lot of the turtles oh, yeah. would kind of give you a little prologue before they begin. Yeah, the first episode starts off literally with the uh, turtles with their backs against the wall, fighting the purple yeah. dragons with that voiceover from Leonardo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always kind of liked. Yeah, I agree with you. I always kind of like the kind of the. It's like a flash forward. In, yeah. in the sense that, ah, no pun intended with Flash Forward. Fast Forward. Oh, that's what it was, yes. Um, where you kind of get a glimpse of what's going to happen later on in the episode, and then you get the introduction. Um, yeah. So right now, we, you know, right off the bat, you don't know what's happening. And, you know, another series that does that a lot is um, The Walking Dead. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I haven't seen The Walking Dead in years. Oh, no way. Yeah, I've, I've watched the first season. And, no, I, I'm... I'm a fan, just fine. I mean, well, I like it. I shouldn't say I'm a fan. I like it, but I just haven't watched it, you know? Just, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. No no real reason. I just haven't gotten into it again. Oh, it's, yeah. Well, it's crazy stuff right now. But, yeah, but they use the same technique, um, you know, just kind of giving you a real gl- quick glimpse of what's going to happen. Um, and it's, it always makes it kind of interesting. kind of builds that suspense. Yeah. So what do you think of this, uh, what do you think of this intro here? I like it. I, I don't, I'm not big on the. I'm not big on the song. Oh man, see, I, I love the song. I, see, think I, I don't dislike cool. it. I don't dislike it. It's just. I don't know. I think it gets a lot of just undue flack. You know, I think a lot of people just. Oh, I agree. This just for like no. Re- I think. I think honestly, this was the start of. Well, it's not the turtles that I know. Shut well, up. you only know one version. <laughs> The cartoon sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so Han here, he's uh, talking to Orokusaki here and just kind of letting them know, hey, these turtles they interfered last time. And Orokusaki's like, you know what, Baxter, Hun, I'm gonna give you one more opportunity not to screw this up. Go find these turtles. So what? So what do you think of Pirate Baxter Stockman? Did he lose an eye someplace? I have no idea. Neither do I. Uh, no, it's been so long since I've watched these shows. Yeah, I, I like that this is the original version of Baxter Stockman. I really, 
I like this version of Baxter better than yeah. pretty much any other version of him. Well, it sounds animated. like he had an... Right, it sounds like he had an ironic dem eyes. Oh, good lord. God. <laughs> what do you think of that? Uh, I'm trying not to, yes. <laughs> Alright, so here's a bizarre uh, training scene here. I guess this is all about balance? Yeah. The Charles are standing on these... <laughs> See, the only gripe I had with the 2003 series is I didn't like... And this is personal preference, this is just Rob talking. I was never big on Splinter's voice. Oh, okay. It just sounds fake to me. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, Splinter always kind of sounds this way. But yeah, this one definitely seems more forced than yeah. Pete Renner. Yeah, that's a or, good word, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of, I mean, I'm still a fan of the original Turtles uh, Splinter voice. I really love Pete yeah. Renner's work on that. Um, that, I mean, that's still Splinter. That's still the Splinter voice I hear in my head when I'm reading the comics. Um, right. And I think that that will be just like that's the standard, you know, forever. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, oh, there's old Casey Jones. So, what do you think of his design? I love his look, man. I love. I, he's just a giant meathead wearing a t-shirt and jeans. I like that. <laughs> I never really understood why he's got gloves on all the time. You know. I, I don't know. Maybe those hockey sticks give him splinters. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's, he gets calluses on his hands. He wants his hands to be soft. You know, I get uh -huh. that. <laughs> he must moisturize. He's got to, yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah, I I like how this. Raph talks. Man, see, I've, I've never been a fan of that. That just He's the one that always talks with that attitude, man. Yeah, well, you know? Yeah, well, you know, Casey Jones in this series kind of talks like that, too. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, but Casey Jones, like, is a person from New York City. Raphael yeah. is not. He wouldn't talk like this. You know? <laughs> Especially when his other brothers sound nothing like him. <laughs> uh, that's true. That You know, that's a good point. Yeah, why is Raph the only one with the New Although you could argue that the reason Raph does... That he's trying too hard? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, he... It, at least according to the IDW comics, he was kind of off on his own in New York City for the longest time. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense there. Yeah, but this one... <laughs> this is before that. They all just kind of... They're underground, you know, whatever. <laughs> all right, so there's the uh, graffiti there, it looks like. Um, some kind of insignia that Casey Jones has found, and he's trying to tell the turtles, Hey, look, they're spraying these all over the walls. I've got a bad feeling it has a connection with that sword that we got back from the Foot Clan. Yeah, isn't it like a sword with four turtles stuck on top of it? Uh, it oh, I don't know. That's Maybe. what it looked like. It looked like four uh, four turtles stuck on a sword. I was like, Ooh. the Foot Clan's calling you out. Like, they're going to kill you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing the gauntlet. Yeah, see, I like that about this series. Like, this series was not afraid to go, not necessarily dark, but just take, it wasn't afraid to be taken a little bit more seriously than any other version of uh, the turtles. Yeah. Okay. You know, I kind of think that the Nickelodeon version, like, kind of tries to be taken this seriously, but just like they throw so many jokes to offset it that it just yeah. kind of it seems a little forced. Yeah. In the Nickelodeon no, series. Yeah. But then but the Nickelodeon music. series like has like probably the best voice cast of any of any animated series with the turtles in it. Yeah, it's. I would. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, you know, like the the uh, 
the um the season four episode where the eighty eight turtles met up with the two thousand oh, turtles. It was like that was the best of both worlds, where you just had the two cast. best boy- voice casts for the turtles. Just like here they are, you know. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. Now, th- this cartoon is um two thousand seventeen. So what, fourteen years old? Yeah. Yeah, 14 years old. I, I think it's aged well. What do you think? The art style? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just the animation and everything. Oh, yeah. No, it, it looks... It definitely looks great. Yeah, I Yeah, it's still this. gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous show. It looks like it's kind of inspired by... At the time, it would have been like the Justice League cartoon was out at this time. Mm-hmm. So it looks like that Batman animated series vibe crossed over with the 88 Turtles look. Yeah, yeah. You know, where like everyone is these kind of like blocky... Bulky, not kind of streamlined character designs. I really like that. Yeah. yeah. So at this time, I, I would imagine you'd know this more than I would. Is has Shredder been revealed to be an alien yet? Uh no, no. Okay, but no, that is a- that is Chirel t- uh, talking through Orokusaki, right? Uh, okay. Here's the thing. Like, I don't know. I. I um, yeah. I'm not sure if, you know, it's the real Shredder for the longest time, and then we get the Chirrell thing, or if that was Chirrell the whole time. I, I'm really not sh- sure, because, like, I just vaguely remember watching this, these episodes. Because I remember 2003, I was a junior in high school, sophomore in high school. So I was watching them in passing, but I wasn't really paying attention to the, the plot line that well. There's an old VCR. Yeah, see, like, before I watched any of the, t- of the uh, 2003 animated series, I watched Turtles Forever. So, oh, wow. So it was a real shock to me. It was like, whoa, this is this is really different. It was, it was really good. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, Turtles Forever is one of my favorite turtle uh, animated films. Oh, you know, I really man. enjoy it. It's yeah. great. It's a great, great uh nod to everything you know yes. what what a love letter to fans and to the creators and that is technically the series finale to this uh series mm-hmm. you know like it takes place in canon with this series and it's after casey jones and april and neo's wedding which was yeah. the last episode of the main series so but that right, right. turtles forever is the last episode technically I mean, that's how you end a series. And, yeah. and, you know, it had a really long run. I mean, it almost was as long as the original cartoon, but no one really knows that, you know? No, no yeah. one Casual one, fans don't realize that. This one went that. on for, like, six years from 2003 to 2009. Yeah, so. pretty, pretty long run. Quite a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's the Purple Dragons. Yeah, there they are. The Purple Dragon eating the turtle right there. We're the neighborhood clean and green. Doing our part to stamp out tags. Man, I just. Do you say uh, taggets? <laughs> man, I just cannot stand like how they, what they think young punks look like. <laughs> it's like I know you got the blue hair. It's like the '80s. You know what's cool? Like this should have crossed over with Double Dragon. You know this. Oh yeah, Purple Dragons and Double Dragons. Yeah, because tell me, like these these guys do not look like the Shadow Gang from the Double <laughs> Dragon games. Oh yeah. yeah. Or the Battletoads show up too. Oh man! Oh god! I Triple love, crossover! I cannot wait. One day, you know that's going to happen. Like, there's going to be a Ninja Turtle Battletoads comic, and it's going to be good. Like seeing Shredder team up with the Dark Queen. Oh, that'd be cool. 
Oh, hey, this this is something I think you'll get a kick out of. Uh, so we got the Foot Clan here, and they have a new technology that kind of reminds me of the Street Phantoms. Yeah, but better. This is how you do it, Street <laughs> Phantoms. This is how you don't suck at your jobs. Oh, gosh. God, I'm still mad that IDW killed off Darius Dunn. I was really hoping he'd show up. <laughs> Just, like, be a recurring villain. Oh, I know. I'm hoping we get, like, a micro-series with him soon. So. Yeah. So, anyways, the uh, the Foot Clan, they've got uh, Raph and Casey pinned, or at least it seems that way. <laughs> Casey bluffs them. I'm sorry. That was funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was like, psych! He was like, psych! But they did get Raph. Yeah, they took Raphael. And they're going to poke him. He's like, this seems like, you know, like you're waiting for the 1980s Shredder to be like, okay, and here's my tickle ray. Uh. <laughs> did, did you hear what Raph said there? He's like, where did you oh, get he this? He's like, where did you get this magnificent steel? And Raph goes, yo mama. <laughs> like that was definitely a joke for the, the parents watching this. kind of freak are you anyway? So now uh, Hun is interrogating Raph. So this, this is going to get serious here. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Hun in this season, in this series. You know. Yeah, he's kind of a goonish. He's a kind. Bit. He's kind of just a meathead. Yeah. You know, he's like, we're like, he doesn't seem as dangerous as the guy in, as the Hun in the comics. Oh yeah. Um, but he just seems like he, he just kind of seems like a dork. He seems like the, he seems like he needs a boss to tell him what to do, but he doesn't want to be told what to do. So right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, I don't know why they, they did it that way, because, you know, right off the bat, because I know how this episode ends, um, they just, they made him mess up a lot right off the bat. Yeah. Like, he, he comes becomes quickly somebody that Treader can't rely on, you know? Yeah. To get the job done. Yeah, exactly. Not picking up a signal. So, now, of course, I'm at- <laughs> Gosh, Casey's a jerk. Casey's so mad. He's kicking over all kinds of furniture and just destroying this the turtle's lair. Yeah, this is where the turtles live, and they're like, eh, oh well. Why are they letting him do this? Like, well, Splinter, Splinter needs to calm that stuff down. one more time. Who do you work for? How long have you been on this planet? What is the level of your technology? Planet? Technology? Boy, you barking up the wrong shell. Barking up the wrong shell. <laughs> Oh my god. This is this is not bad. This is just weird. This, <laughs> and you know what? I'm I'm kind of like the worst person to review a cartoon just because I'm old. <laughs> it's just like, well, well that's not gonna work. <laughs> oh, so now Raph somehow got out of the table, turns off that saw that's kinda creepy. Cuts through the bandages, and now he's got a size and yeah. a shell cell. Turtle what cop. the shell? <laughs> I love how the Foot Clan just has their logo on everything. Yeah, good thing. Like it's just you gotta have a logo. I mean, you gotta have a logo. Yeah, they're in the I middle mean, of the Hudson River in uh, the how official Foot know Clan you boat. Have a logo. So, what do you think of uh, Baxter? I like Baxter. I've always liked Baxter. You know, I except in the IDW comics because he's such a snake. Oh yeah. <laughs> I really, yeah, I, I really like the Baxter Stockman character. I love his design in this one. 
Um, I really like, I mean, he's a really smart guy, but he's just not dangerous yet. No, not yet, not yet. Although, you know, to his credit, he is, he's found a way to program these uh, Foot Clan members to be invisible. Yeah, you know, he, he is the... He's the smartest guy in the room. You know why Shredder keeps him around. Oh, yeah. And right now, the foot soldiers are tracking Raph. It was kind of a setup, too, because Raph, you know, he thinks he's getting away. He's like, all right, I'm out of here. And he swims across the Hudson trying to get back to the sewer lair, but you see, once he gets to the dock, that these pair of footsteps are following him, and Raph has no idea. How do we stop something we can't see? Already got that one covered. Turtle vision heat sensor Boom, there it is. Just like oh, the IDW series. Oh my god, yeah. What about We that? can see them with these, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's a good look Man, it really shows you how much homework the IDW creators did oh, for no this kidding. for their car for their comic. Yeah. Wow. Quit it. You cover above ground. Yeah, but what were you expecting? The Adams family? <laughs> I don't know. So, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to try to be Way good. to set me up for that. Man. I know. Set me up for failure. All right. <laughs> well, it's not annoying when you say it. <laughs> yeah, she's really unenthusiastic when I say it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so the Turtles, they... It's funny. It's kind of they're doing a little uh, hide-and-seek here. Yeah. So the Turtles, you know, Raph's going back to his lair, uh, and the Turtles just took off the rest of them. Because they they know what's going on. They know that Raph's being followed. Raph has no idea what's going on. And Raph's like, huh? What, what just happened? Uh, guys, what do you ever hear the one about the invisible ninjas? <laughs> That's kind of funny looking. <laughs> hey, did I mention that these guys were really strong, too? <laughs> Might have been useful info. Okay, and yet again, like no series is safe. Like the turtles just get their butts handed to them all yeah, the time. True. Poor Raph. He's, I like how they're all standing there watching Raph get his butt kicked. <laughs> well, he kind of deserves this. He's kind of a jerk in this, <laughs> especially in this series. Raphael is kind of a jerk. I love Casey practicing his uh, stroke there. <laughs> oh, that was smart. I really like Michelangelo's voice in the series. Yeah, yeah, I really like I really like Michelangelo in this one. He's such a kid in this in this uh, series. I really like it. Oh man! Oh, that's right. Then the robots, but not orangutan robots. Are they robots in this one? Apparently, those guys were. Okay. But see, yeah, I don't know if all ones. of them are. Okay, it doesn't it doesn't seem like he is. Yeah. He's a Cobra commander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, it looks like him. I suggest you drop your weapons now. Don't do looks it, like a bug. I'm not worth it. <laughs> I love Casey. Don't do it, I'm not worth it. It's so ridiculous to see like how strong some characters in this show are. Where like that dude's holding Casey Jones by like one hand. Yeah. Above a pit of water. Above a water pit. You know? <laughs> Man, apparently Casey fell for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got... Apparent, apparently he was like 400 feet up in the air. So. <laughs> oh, good music, though. 
amazing. Yeah. This this series had some really cool uh, rock and roll inspired music. I like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, excellent fight scenes for the animation style. I mean, this is this is pre CGI. I mean, there's some CGI elements infused with the intro, and, and yeah. every now and then you'll see it in the show. But this is this is pre this is pre good CGI. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in case like yeah maybe I can hang out with you guys tonight they're like no 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 you, you, you go back to what you're used to we're still cleaning out the mess from the last time you were there yeah, right we'll even tell you a bedtime story I'm not a real big fan for of how short the turtles are in this series yeah you know? there's, not, there's not many series where they're taller than the humans are there because I know the 87 series is that way the um, I don't know if the Nick series because I know Donatello is pretty tall yeah, they're all sure like of varying heights, but like, I, yeah, I I get why they're that that size, but I kind of I kind of would like to see a series where they are just like average height for people because I mean they are mutants, you know. There's no reason if like Bebop and Rocksteady are always depicted as like seven feet tall. Yeah, why wouldn't the turtles be at least you know six feet tall or something right. or average height for a human? Right. And then you get, you know, the, like the movie turtles, especially the 2014 movie. I mean, they're like, you know, ginormous. They look like Hun, you know? <laughs> yeah. Which was so, the one complaint I have for that, that movie series where they were just, they were too big in yeah. that one, in my opinion. Looking back on it, it's like, yeah, they were too, at least too beefy, you know? Right. So Rokusaki is not happy. Let's see what's going on here. And he's going to go to the neutrinos, apparently. (laughs) Oh, that's right, that's right. I think what the robot body was, it had something to do with the Guardians, which we don't know a whole lot about the Guardians yet. Um, But apparently they are a rival of Rokusaki. So right now, the fight's not necessarily between Rokusaki and the Turtles. He just views the Turtles as a nuisance while he battles against the Guardians. All right. Okay, I have have no idea. Yeah. So, um, so what would you give this particular episode out of ten? This one was this one's probably a seven. Yeah, just because it's it's silly. This is a silly episode, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot like the and last then, one. I mean, not not a whole yeah. lot of major stuff happens in this one. Uh, we just kind of see Hun and Baxter kind of make goofballs of themselves again. Yeah, this is kind of it's a filler episode. It's it it's is. pretty cool. I mean, it definitely has some cool stuff there. I mean, with the invisible, literally invisible foot soldiers. You know, I really like it. And yeah. the inclusion of Baxter Stockman's nice. Uh, seeing Hun is nice. It's seeing Splinter, however brief, was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You know? No April O'Neil, which is fine, because she doesn't need to be in every episode. Oh, true, yeah. Yeah, but I, which is weird, because I think Casey Jones is in almost every single episode in this series. So. Yeah, yeah, he's in it quite a bit. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Well, hey, we did it. Another show in the books. There it is, number yes. 60. 68. 68. Yeah. Doing great. Yeah. yeah. 68, and we're doing great. <laughs> so, uh, so, Josh, uh, to close out, oh, I, I guess before I ask the big question, um, if you guys want to send us an email, uh, send us an email at uh, turtleflakespodcast at gmail.com. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to check out our podcast, it's turtleflakes.podomatic.com. And, um, of course, you know, we always uh, appreciate a a review on iTunes, you know, whether it be a you know nice five star review, that'd be amazing. But constructive criticism, we're definitely open to that too. We we just want to hear back from from you guys and uh, try to make the best show you know that that we can make despite our despite our own selves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, oh, and also you know follow us on Twitter at, at Turtleflakes. Um, you know we've been getting some great interactions thanks to our our good friend Jason Canary for taking over that feed for us and posting a lot of great stuff. And um, 
And the big question we always want to know is what kind of pizza are we going to have to end another episode of this Totally Tubular episode of Turtle Flakes? Man, you know what? I kind of I'm feeling a little adventurous today. I've I've never really read many of the Volume Four comics. I've never seen many of the 2003 series episodes. So I want to have a pizza I've never really had before. I'm going to go with a chicken and pepper pizza. You know? Ooh, what what kind of peppers are we talking about? Green peppers? Green pe- like uh, bell peppers? You know, Ooh. green, orange, yellow, red, stuff like that. Sounds healthy. Yeah, you know, I'm feeling a little light. You know, New Year's. Everybody wants to go to the gym after New Year's for some reason. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm feeling a little light. And plus, I've never been a fan of chicken pizza, and I'd like to have that again. All right, dudes and dudettes. Well, here's to hoping you enjoy your chicken and bell pepper pizza. Cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga, everyone. The new movie? What? Yeah, it actually looks decent. Okay, this is another podcast entirely. No, nope. We're not going really? down this rabbit hole. <laughs> okay, well, all I'll say is the preview of it looked pretty good. I was awesome, going to say, right? yeah, because all the trailers have looked good. And then yeah, see the movie, it's like, nope. Nope, not good at all. Nope. Uh, I just, it got me when um, Optimus Prime, he goes, he's about to kill Bumblebee. He's like, I'm sorry. Oh, God, yeah. I really like that. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, cool. Sounds great, man. All right, man. Well, I will take us in. Unless, unless you want to. Uh, no, you go for it. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna have you take us in one of these days. One of these days, yeah. On the last episode, <laughs> on the last like, okay, episode. this is why it's over. This was your moment. <laughs> Josh had to talk and just the power outage. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> oh, hold on. Yeah. Oh, I thought somebody knocked on the door. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a uh, little Grayson again. Are yeah, I know. Oh, shoot. Busted through the door.